no, 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 no. You done got me talking politics. I didn't want to. Los de arriba, los de abajo, los que caen. ¿El hoyo? Sí, el hoyo. ¿Y usted sabe en qué consiste esto del hoyo? Obvio. ¿Comer? ¿Qué vamos a comer? Lo que le sobra a los de arriba. gente abajo. <risa> Dentro de poco habrá menos. ¿Que era una persona? Pues claro que era una persona. ¿Es que nadie va a hacer nada? Si todo el mundo comiera solo lo que necesita, la comida llegaría al nivel más bajo. El hambre desata la locura. Tiene buen corazón. No creo que sobreviva usted mucho tiempo. We, we were going to get a cat, but fucking gators, man. We're right on the lake and they'll... I'll eat them up. Like, it's a legit thing, but I love alligators. I think they're, like, well, they're pretty. They've been around a long time, man. They might be around longer than us if things continue. <laughs> One of my favorite monsters in all of my creature features. I love a good alligator movie. I, I adore, I thought Crawl was fantastic. Crawl was a really great movie. It was, a, it was easy to watch. And, of course, like, you suspend disbelief when you watch creature features, but I enjoyed it a lot. Let me ask you guys this before we get started. Do I look like an asshole for wearing a shirt that's got my name on it? I Is was this so like wearing? You. I was like, I get it. You have a podcast, Bo. Right. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> it was. I didn't think about it until we were doing this, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is like going to the concert in the band's T-shirt." You know? <laughs> like, oh fuck! I All wear right. my own band's no, T-shirt sometimes. <laughs> But no, your label Fair is enough. right Fair over enough. where your T-shirt is, so I couldn't even tell. I'm definitely not set up oh, for okay. lighting. I'm sorry. I'm. No, I like your dark so... lighting. I okay. thought this was just you being mysterious. Right. Oh. It's it's like you're coming from hell. Yes. <laughs> Which Here I appreciate. I, I love it. It's it's like that Tales from the Dark Side with Jerry Stiller, where he's the DJ in hell. <laughs> Did you ever watch that HBO show called yeah, Hardcore TV? That is how old I am. What? Did you ever watch that yeah, HBO yeah, yeah. with Hardcore TV? They had uh, fairy tales from the dark side. I don't remember that. Oh. Do was... I need to look it up? Ah, I'm, I'll probably send you a YouTube video later when I'm not sleeping. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the best time to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I've done the video conference while recording. Does everybody, anybody, everybody feel comfortable? Feel like there's not uh, audio lag? Um, I'm fine. If it if it starts to lag for me, I'll just turn off my video. Cool. If for any reason there's issues, I'm sitting right beside my modem, so it should be fine. Like I, but if there is issues, Canada does have internet. <laughs> I know it's crazy, guys. Well, we also have running water and electricity. What are you talking about? That's I know it's crazy. <laughs> like we don't have that in the U.S. Let's not be <laughs> internet love... or running water. Your hunt episode. When I listened to that episode, I got so fired up. I, I was walking and I was like, Yeah! Like I was getting really mad. So much so when we went on to our podcast, I talked about it and then I like demanded that people voted. And then yeah. I said very clearly that I felt there was only one choice right now, that this comes down to basic survival. And your country is in an economic and health crisis. So I totally went on like a rant. And that was all because of you guys listening and to that episode. It. We did it. You we did made it. it better. You did it. And I'm very happy. Um, and it's not, and it goes more than, you know, as I was saying to Scott, I'm like, this isn't, this is comes down to basic survival for you guys at this point. Like things are bad. And do I think Joe Biden is the solution? No, but I think he at least has common sense and will believe that Corona is a real thing and, you know, not alienate other, every other country. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, right. this is, so I really loved that episode and I enjoyed the hunt. I thought it was a really fun movie, but I really enjoyed you guys doing that. So this is really exciting for me. Yeah. I, so, uh, and I'm equally, I like, I, I think that, uh, that you and Scott do a real good show. I think that's a lot of fun. I, I'd sometimes here small confession. Sometimes when I'm listening to it though, I feel like I'm eavesdropping, <laughs> which is the, my favorite thing about the show. In fact, if I had one piece of advice, I would be like, lean into that shit where it's like, where it's like, like you're just listening to a couple talk about movies and occasionally it gets into just couple talk shit. Which is fun because we're not a couple, but people think we are. So we but totally. It, <laughs> but it sounds totally like that, and it's so much fun. He is—he's a lot of fun, and we're very close friends. And I visited him a bunch of times. I don't know how well you know Canada, but I live uh, about forty-five minutes outside of Buffalo, forty-five minutes to an hour, and I'm about a three-hour drive to Michigan because you got to drive down to get to Michigan for me. So he lives in Michigan. So I've actually met him in person um, multiple times. So I think that adds to the closeness is that we've actually physically hung out and he was supposed to come up here before all the borders shut down and our countries do not have, before we fucked it all up. Well, we, we both, you know, and... Hey, you guys Canada tried to take all of our here. fucking milk or whatever the fuck yeah. Trump was ranting hey, what's about. What's you hoarding <laughs> all the reasonably priced drugs? What's so, <laughs> huh? You're so fucking big and tough that you can't afford a little insulin. Jesus Christ, you! And we're not—we don't want to pay less. We just want to pay what you pay. Oh, but only you know federally. <laughs> so, so it's like you guys are supplying our government with drugs. Like you are the best drug pusher on the planet. And you know, and it comes across as that Canada is not that way. So it's perfect, right? We come across as a squeaky teen queen British loyalists that still kind of are connected to Britain, but not really. Um, it's funny because I talk about it's funny you talk about healthcare because I've had this conversation with multiple Americans 
and I've had to, I've had a lot of stereotypes. Like I've been told 80% of my, you know, income is taxed. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's ludicrous. How could you even think that? None of us would have houses. No one was going to live anywhere. Like that's not a thing. Um, it's really interesting. The lack of knowledge that generally countries can have being so close. Yeah. No, that's, simpler. that's our thing. Not knowing shit. <laughs> Well, and it's it's also partly by design from the healthcare industry here in the states, is they push shit like that, like eighty percent. Well, they they're all like Smurfs in the snow. They live up in their mushroom houses and they're communists and they blah blah blah. You know, I don't know. And, and I, it's interesting because people don't understand the definition of communism because Canada is a capitalist state. We have a socialist healthcare system. That we all pay into. I couldn't even tell you how much I pay into it because it's included in my federal tax that gets taken off my paycheck. Um, and I said to a friend of mine, don't you have to pay a deductible on your health care? Like you have to pay, right? He's mm. like, well, yeah. I'm like, how's that any different than what I'm doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Well, it's like when people didn't want to vote for Obamacare, but they love the Affordable Care Act. You yeah. know, it's like, well, it's just, it, it's all people's perception. Uh, let me, let's say this shit. So I got... Uh, back in January, had to have a, a minor surgery and whatnot, you know, um, and uh, paid for all that stuff at the time. And, you know, that's always a night because my health plan is some weird shit where like the first 1200 is covered by health care, but then not the next thousand, but then the rest. And I mean, it's just you try to explain that to a nurse at a hospital that no, 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 you're billing me wrong. At yeah. the time, you're also trying to get a procedure done. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and and I got a bill for that shit this month. That just out of nowhere, it was like, oh, we found some other shit from January that we should have charged you for, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. Here's here's another two hundred bucks because why not? Let's throw it on the fire. That's see, I have had my appendix removed. I've been hospitalized because of celiac. I've had my tonsils removed. I have never seen a bill ever. That's, That's not a thing. You don't get bills. Like yeah. that doesn't happen, unless you get a TV in your ho in your in a hotel in your hospital room, and you pay twenty bucks a day for TV. But and and if we're recording this and and listeners are listening to this portion of it, it's worth pointing out that you're not uh, a, a monster person as a result of all these free surgeries. Yeah. No. You seem like a perfectly healthy, normal individual. Well, and to give you an idea, I had to go see the doctor last week, not COVID related for another reason. I called at noon. I had an appointment by one. Um, they're able to test my blood there and get the results. Like, I think that uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about social healthcare system. Now I'm not saying it's perfect. There's flaws. Absolutely. Um, but I think people really misjudge the speed that things get done and there is tears. If you want to pay more, you can get more. But there, we don't turn anyone away from inability to pay. And the thought of having to go into debt for healthcare is so foreign that if I mentioned that to any other Canadian, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, it's so not something that is in our vocabulary because we've never been exposed to it. Right. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. So, but, you know, that's the boogeyman we grew up with here in the state. I mean, I, you know, I'm an old fuck and I, Back when I was a kid, you heard about how, you know, social uh, health care was bad. So it was socialism and, and what a terrible thing that was. So that it's just a narrative that I mean, it's like uh, the, the story about the serial killer with the hook in the car. It's just an urban legend that like just got repeated around campfires 
because it was scary, right? Like, oh, socialists are going to come and force you to get appendectomies, apparently. And <laughs> so it just worked. That's really funny. Socialized medicine has death panels, Bo. And instead of death right. panels, yes. we have to wait to decide who gets the medicine, which is not a death right. panel because Life I'm panels. not calling it a it's death what they panel. Call so they're. Yeah, turning. Yeah, the art of the deal. No, I don't want more vaccines. Oh, that. Yeah. But, <laughs> I'm like, but, what are you talking about? And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Honestly, asking the Canadian government for all their drugs was the shit I loved most, especially because because Trudeau was just like, oh, sorry, you're just going to have to go and get fucked. And I was like, that's fantastic. I'm so proud of Gary Trudeau. Well, you know, it's been challenging to work with as a neighbor. So I think that um, any change in administration will be a little bit easier when we're not fighting about trades. I, one time he got into an argument with Justin Trudeau, and he brought up the fact that we burned the White House in the 1800s. And I thought that was the most ridiculous thing that they reported on, is that during this conversation, that was something that he brought up as an argument. I'm like, that is irrelevant to whatever issue you're talking about in 2016. Like I don't understand, but um, you know what? I'm glad that he's was he was he trying to rally the troops? Like, yay! They keep talking like this. We're gonna go right down there and show them what's what. Like, obviously, I I didn't pay much attention to the quip. Uh, I focused on the message I was putting out, which was uh, that. It is inconceivable and, quite frankly, insulting uh, that the United States considers Canada to be a threat to national security. Um, this is something that is going to hurt uh, and, and threaten jobs not just in Canada, but indeed in the United States. There are workers across the United States that are going to suffer and consumers that are going to suffer because of these wrong-headed tariffs. But yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been interesting. I, I love going to the States. I've enjoyed very much going to the States, but... Um... I think it will be nice to see people less stressed out. Um, I was at a wedding in Michigan about two years ago, and I was at the bar getting a drink, and the server noticed I have an accent. I don't sound like a mission anger, and they're like, oh, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Ontario, Canada, and she literally grabbed my arm, and she said, you know we're not all like him, right? <laughs> we're not all like him. And I said, no, I, I don't think you're all like Donald Trump. Take it's okay. <laughs> Hey, hey, just get your trunk. <laughs> Can you take us up there? We hear you have syrup. <laughs> Lots of it. Yeah. Lots, of Tons. Right. Next time I drive through Nashville, I'll bring you a whole bunch. <laughs> if you don't, I'm going to be angry. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful drive south to Nashville, too. I imagine you'd go similarly yeah, to the way I would go from here. Cause... Well, I drove through Ohio. So, yeah. yes, probably the exact same way. Yep. Home of Kent State. Yes. Yep. Oh, good graphic I mean, if novel. We're just going to talk about murdered Americans. I mean, might as well. <laughs> what are you drinking there, Darren? I am drinking. It's not as exciting as it probably would would be apothecary craft soda, black cherry, all natural ingredients delicious. from Cincinnati. Yum yum. Very nice. Been getting most of my food from a community shared agriculture thing that works with all these farms around the state. Of course you are. This is not a surprise. <laughs> and they deliver once a week. You just type, you just pick all the shit you want and then they come and they 
put it in your your thing on your porch. I love it. That's really awesome. Locally sourced water, artisanal, yeah. artisanal water. Oh yeah, we got we got this. All art, art, artisanal artesian water, huh? Oh, With even better. <clears throat> That's a million dollar idea. We could market this shit. Brondo makes plants grow. You've seen Idiocracy, right? Oh sure. It's been a long time because it 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 hurts a little to watch it. Why did it hurt to watch it? It just gets too true. Oh, like okay. like the the more time that goes by, I, when you watch Idiocracy, it's like that's right. Like like the like this present, yes. <laughs> and it just it kind of bumps me out. <laughs> You're like, I know this is a reality TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like well, everything's Walmart. Yes. Yes, like now. I, our president is an idiot who promotes Mountain Dew. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've watched it in the last four years. I was going to do like a live commentary or something for Trump's birthday last year, but... I don't know, but, but you could because it's too true. The whole the whole commentary would just be like, uh huh, <laughs> man. It's a nightmare we can't wake up from. That's really good. Uh, yeah, that's my life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just saucer eyed and cry. Yeah. <laughs> Door slams in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> It isn't the hospital run by a fast food Carl's Jr. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's like I said, it's been a while because it's all just too, you too know, close like for comfort. Right, like you know, Disney yeah. bought Fox. Terrifying. Well, at least they're gonna do their Alien show on Hulu, so we won't get any of that weird blurry butt stuff like from uh, Splash. <laughs> yeah. What a weird fucking thing that was. Uh, like, this movie that was PG in, what, 1984 or whatever? Uh, I forget when Splash came out. 1982, 1984? I think you're 18. I think 1984 is correct. That sounds like the right year. Yeah, it, like that Top Gun era. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah. Uh, like, you saw a little bit of, so what? It happened. Like, when, I remember what a big deal it was when, they, when uh, uh, Olivia Hussey uh, was nude in Romeo and Juliet, and that was rated PG as well, because it was like, ah, well, you know, it's this brief flash of nudity after a love scene. Eh, it's not gonna make kids go to, you know, go to hell or nothing. <laughs> but it's Disney. Ha ha! Yeah, we can, we can't do it. Yeah, but Disney was <laughs> we... also Touchstone, and I don't know, I don't want to know what they would do to Ruthless People, which is a legitimately funny movie. Ruthless People uh, contains one of the best lines in any movie where uh, Danny DeVito is, is talking about a plan to murder his wife. And he says, my only problem with this plan is that it's not violent enough. Ruthless. What year is this? I don't think I've seen it. 86, 87. Mm. It's uh, Judge Ryan. You were like what? Ellen four Schreiber. then, though? What's, what's that you now? You were like four when that came out? Oh, Jesus Christ. I wish. I was... <laughs> I was 37 when that movie came out. No, you fucking weren't. You're a no. fucking liar. No, I was. I was 102 years old. I know. I was. I would have been. Uh, so I was born in 73. 
That's so, more accurate. I was like, yeah. if you were 37 in the 1980s, yeah. I want whatever you're drinking. Baby face. <laughs> Welcome to it. Who? What soul did you sell to who? <laughs> that don't crack. Look at this. Tennessee moonshine. <laughs> I live right. I quit smoking. Oh, good for you. That's hard to do. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, that it's was hard. terrible. It's hard. Yeah, I did that years ago. That was. I highly recommend. <laughs> I both. I recommend smoking for a little while because that was awesome. I can't. I can't tell you how much I love smoking. But then it was also it was it was hard to quit. But I, I'm glad I did. Well, as as it always happens, Bo has led us to our segue. <laughs> Thank you, Bo. Welcome. Because. <laughs> In the movie, we are going to be talking about, and spoiling a bit of, we will be talking about, uh, or we're going off uh, where it, when it came out in its native native country, 2019 El Oyo, or The Platform, directed by Galder Getzelo Uritia. But anyway, the main character, that Goring, motherfucker. Goring, enters the hole to quit smoking. Or for some other dumb fucking reason. I am Darren. You've heard Bo. Here for the first time is the wonderful Heather Powell. Yay! Hey, I feel just so honored to work with you two. First of all, Bo's the boss. So I had to really make sure I was on my best behavior. But Bo has shown me that that doesn't matter. So it's going to be just... <laughs> best behavior is Easy. often frowned upon. And Darren, I just have so much respect for as a podcaster... And he's a hockey fan, which automatically makes me like him. Yes. We don't like the same teams, but there's mutual respect. And that's all that matters. Yeah, we did all right with our teams faced off in, against each other in the uh, the pandemic playoffs. I, I will say that I don't care for uh, hockey much, but I do like icing. And I think that kind of counts. <laughs> there you go. So when they do that call icing, you're all like, yes. I'm like, yeah, cupcakes, y'all. <laughs> Somebody's getting cream cheese. <laughs> the pina cotta is the message. <laughs> right. And then it, it, it turns out it's just somebody like scoring a goal or whatever. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know what the Nashville Predators do, Bo, but here in Columbus, if the Blue Jackets score three goals, you get a free bowl of chili at Wendy's the next day, which I've never cashed in. Mm, I, I don't know who they're I, it's been a while since I've been to a Predators game although they're a lot of fun I, I've like I, I'm not a big hockey fan although uh when I went to see hockey live I totally got it you like watching on TV does not do hockey justice you really have to see it I think and and see kind of what's happening well away from the puck and how all that works together and like I have a I have a real appreciation for hockey, even though I'm not a fan, uh, when the Predators, I think the big thing is when the Predators score, uh, they throw out a dead gopher onto the ice, oh, and uh, it is it's an, a, a really stinky arena. Are you serious? You're no, kidding, no. right? Yes, that's that is that's that's entirely made up, as far as I know. <laughs> you haven't been to enough games. You don't know I, for yeah, sure. It's been a while. I, mean, I don't know what they're doing next. What they threw and rubber rats with COVID. Got to do something to pack that place. So you bring your gophers. Yeah, maybe they do that in uh, uh, what the University of Minnesota. I think I think their mascot's the gopher, or maybe I guess they right. wouldn't do that. 
because that would kind of be so, ominous. The, a farm team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have you guys beat in Ontario when the Maple Leafs win the cup, we're each going to get $1,000, all the Canadians. And we all know it's never going to happen. So it just <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> the Maple Leafs will never win a cup, but will continue to be one of the highest grossing teams. And tickets to go see a Leaf game is insane. It would be cheaper for me to drive to see Darren to see a Columbus game, get a hotel, than it would be to go out for a night in Toronto to see the Leafs play. I've met a lot of huh. Leafs fans that way. Yes, I bet you have. <laughs> Most mostly positive. Uh, actually, the only negative time, and it only started out negative. There were six really drunk dudes in the row behind me, dressed up as the Power Rangers, and the the dude that was the uh, Green Ranger kept kicking the back of my seat all night, all night. Between periods, like, hey man, could you stop? kick in the back of my seat and then he just flipped out and started yelling at me but his friends were just like you know they sort of quashed his rage and they're like he's our drunk asshole we're sorry let's all have a beer and we all had a beer and by the end of the night i was showing them to the best bars to go at first you think he's a terrible guy you fight then you get to know him you come to respect each other and at the end of the picture you're friends like I said, it started out sort of negative, but not bad for a hockey game. <laughs> I've had people try to fight me in the bathroom. The Green Ranger was an asshole in the series. So, you know, I'm not surprised that that guy was an asshole. I feel like that just like kind of came together. Method cosplayer. Sure. That's exactly. <laughs> they were the first ones that told me all about how, yeah, they, I think they, some of them even have family on the waiting list for season tickets. But yeah, they just come down to Columbus because it's cheaper. Yeah, way cheaper. I like the idea of these season tickets being handed down through the generations like an heirloom. Oh, it's a thing. It's a thing, Bo. <laughs> like, that's not even an exaggeration. Hockey in this country, referring to Canada, because I am located just outside of Niagara Falls um, in Ontario, Canada, is a big deal. When I found out Darren liked hockey, I'm like, but you're American. You like <laughs> hockey? And then he was like, Ohio. I'm like, oh, of course. Okay, you live in the north. Got it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we had the Columbus Chill from 1990 to 1999, and they did pretty well in their league. They played in a, a little rink awesome. called the Chiller, and that's our, the practice rink for the Blue Jackets is the Chiller. And then, you know, we had the Cleveland Lumberjacks, which I think is a really cool name, and I wish I could get one of their sweaters. Monty Python had a whole song about it. Yeah. I'm a lumberjack. And he's okay. But yeah, so I don't like the Cleveland baseball team because of their mascot. <laughs> that was easy for me. I'm not going to be a fan of them because of Chief Yahoo. Because of racism. Sure. Yeah. You know, Gosh, and, you're so progressive. <laughs> and they've got a yeah, cool name. They used to be called the or the, the the baseball team in Cleveland used to be called the Cleveland Spiders, which is just waiting to be used and not be racist. But, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I'm that guy. I don't like sports teams because of racism. Um, Although I will lobby for they should have a name. I think the the Washington football team, like it's <laughs> it's way better than it was. But that's also profoundly stupid. Yeah. And somebody somebody should have been like, you know what, for the first, I don't know, year or two, we're just going to be the Washington, I don't know, Eels. 
And that's just going to be what it is until we think of a better one. We're just not going to be the Washington football team because it sounds like you're playing the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> and less entertaining. I haven't seen them do any backflips. I haven't right. seen any yeah. cool shit. No music comes out and they start like dancing to it. I'm a little disappointed. Where are the buckets of confetti? Mm-hmm. Where's Meadowlark Lemon during all of this? <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> could could they have changed their logo to the potato and it would not be racist anymore? Or is the name for the potato from the other term? Does anybody know? It depends on how you say it. If, like, if it was the Washington potatoes, I think that would be fine. Bacon's potato shells. Like, you know, the potato skins and you put bacon in them. Do you guys not have this? Yeah. No, yeah. And cheese? Potato skins. Oh. Everyone would show up to those games. The Washington <laughs> potato skins. Potato skin night sells itself. Right? You could give out potato skins as like every time they get a touchdown, everyone gets a potato skin. The mascot would be Petey Potato Skin. Guys, I'm out. I'm going to Washington. I got I got a career. You got, yeah, I mean, wow. they've got million dollar marketing departments and they couldn't come up with shit. You ought to catch a, a Leafs game while you're there. That's right. True. I'll be able to afford it. It'll be great. <laughs> right. Well, with all Even this, with the exchange. <laughs> yeah, with all this potato skin money you're about to That's come right. into, you're you are set. Hey, real American dollars. I always joke with Scott that you guys make real money. That if we ever do a Patreon, I'm being paid in real American dollars, not this Canadian nonsense. I want the American <laughs> currency. <laughs> in a true American fashion, once you get rich, I'm gonna sue you because it was kind of my idea too. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I totally feel simulated now. Thank you, Bo. <laughs> You're welcome. It's it's all that, like that's how you become a citizen. You you take the test, you do the thing at Liberty Island, and then you get sued. Awesome! Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately fingerprinted. Yeah. That's how we like them in this country. We, we like to know where you are. <laughs> where are you, and what are you doing? You need to feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you feel victimized yet you will i just feel like my rights are being taken away because i was asked to wear a mask i'm just having a really hard time with that. <laughs> it really upsets me as a person you can't you can't make me wear a mask excuse me i'm gonna go pass some anti-choice legislation <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't need to be two-faced about this one will do just fine um <laughs> That's really uh, a, a thing that it is. It's a thing I'm I'm trying to accept more that the Republican Party continues to be as craven as it is when confronted with you know facts and reality. And it, you know, I tr- I, I try to uh, maintain a high degree of optimism. Uh, I try to I, I try to be active in ways that, that, you know, makes you feel fulfilled and all that stuff. Uh, but also, um, I do get real frustrated when something like, Hey, all the States have certified the election and still like two thirds of Republicans are like, maybe he won. And you're like, just come on now. You don't have, you don't, the, the ringmaster got voted out. You can leave the circus now. And, and that's the thing. Maybe I'm a little, I'm a little surprised by in the the post-election, like Trump doing Trump shit is expected. You know, bear's gonna bear, bee's gonna be, Trump's gonna Trump. But 
I, the willingness of Republicans to continue to go along with it, even after he lost, has been surprising and frustrating. I forget which uh, representative it was. I didn't recognize her, and there's not a whole lot of women senators. But she accidentally referred to Joe Biden as president-elect, and she issued a retraction. Oh, baby, that's my backyard. That's uh, uh, Marsha Blackburn is the one who did that. And it made the front page of the fucking paper here in Tennessee. Did it? That Marsha Blackburn had said that, and immediately her press team was like, no, 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 what she meant to say. And, yeah, no, that was that was, that was here. Okay. The that's alleged the alleged president-elect. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I mean, look, she's been a, a stoolie for, uh, for Trump from way back. Like she's, she is of that stripe. And you know, like, uh, you know, Tennessee was a plus eleven state in sixteen. I think it was a plus twenty this year for Republicans. So it's a deeply red state, although not not where I am, but largely, it's a large rural population. And uh, boy, yeah, they love her because because she's she's that kind of like former beauty queen, but real like glassy eyed kind of look. <laughs> Y'all, yeah, our president just is looking out for all of us, yeah. you know, and then gives you that Stepford look, and you're like, ugh, love that Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is very love that Joker. It is. Yeah. Marsha Blackburn is and her Twitter account is like she uh, I don't I don't dip into that pool too often. But every now and again, she'll she'll trot out some racism. That's like, what are you doing? That's another thing that'll make the paper here every now and again is like Marsha Blackburn racism watch of where <laughs> she accidentally says something horrible. You know, your racist politicians isn't my shock. It's the fact that you still have print media. You guys still have newspapers? That's a thing? <laughs> well, it's, I, I subscribe to the digital local paper. <laughs> Racist politicians in the States is just like what you expect. So Baked in. <laughs> right, it's just a question of like, how racist are you? And if they're like, if they're wearing red laces, you're like, that's too racist. <laughs> You've gone full green room and we can't allow that. <laughs> we will... We will let you be quietly racist, but if you're listening to any skinhead bands, you can run (laughs) in in West Virginia. Yeah, in West Virginia or one of the the safe, uh, safe Democratic seats in Illinois where Republicans just don't run anyway. You can you can get that and goose step through your uh, through your debates. This is great. I love. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Hitler. It says here you changed your name <laughs> in 2002 to Ronaldo Hitler. <laughs> Do you feel like that prepared you for a life in political office? <laughs> yeah. Javol. <laughs> yeah, I really, really do. I was watching uh, some obviously Canadian media and we were talking about the recount in Georgia and the Newcasters exact words were, so Georgia has been recounted again (laughs) and Biden has won again Again. by a lot. 
Yeah. <laughs> Trump is one of the, like, for all his talk of not wanting to be a loser and shit, this guy is eager to lose over and over and over again. And, like, you know, how, how much did I lose? I count it again. Like, <laughs> right. Rub my face in it. Make me hate it. Pee on me. That's where it's all going. And so that pee thing is totally for real. We're now we're seeing the like the degrading self humiliation that he enjoys in private, just played writ large, where he's like, "I want to lose. I want to feel naughty. I want I want the Supreme Court to piss on my face." It kind of feels like it's going that way. That's actually a really description of what's happening. I think you guys may have the first president to walk out of the White House in handcuffs. Like, I don't think he's going to leave. Like, I think he's going to be escorted out of the White House. I think he's going to have a competing rally on Inauguration Day in Florida or whatever country to which he's gone to. And it'll be broadcast on One America News Network or whatever his new favorite thing is. Maybe Fox. Fox might still be saying, you know, come come back to us, Daddy. But I think he's going to do I, something more petty yeah. like that. I think he holds too much of a grudge with Fox right now. I think he's like, they turned their back on me. They called Arizona. They can all suck it. Pee on me. Um, that's one. That's part of my new trumpet. Version. You know, and it kind of represents our movie because people do get peed on in our movie. So this is like yes. a legit connection. It makes sense, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> fine, yeah, finally coming to the movie. But yeah, I, 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 right. I think the rumor that hey, he's just going to go to Mar-a-Lago at Christmas and just never come back. I totally think that's what's going to happen, man. I, I am a hundred percent on board with the the what is the pettiest, most childish shit he could do? Oh, run away and not come back and face the music. A hundred percent a Trump move. Yep, and declare war against I, Iran. And then leave. The match behind his back. Yeah, throw as, as many monkeys into the wrench you can on your way out the door just as a fuck you to the guy who's coming in. Like, he's the kind of dude that would, like, shit in his desk at a company <laughs> where, like, he got fired and there's a new guy replacing him. He's, I'm just going to leave a loaf in his drawer <laughs> and takes off and leaves it for the next guy, you know? Like, that's... I, I would be... You know, there's that tradition. I think we talked about this of, like, leaving letters from one president to another like the bush to uh was it bush to clinton one of those was like really really uh even though it was a heated election and everything it was like you know no matter how many times i come into the oval office i'm uh humbled by the weight of the job and the and the the desire to do good for the american people like an outgoing republican incoming democrat could have been more uh opposite uh, ideologically but there is that respect for the office and, and and sort of this respect for the tradition of the office that was bigger than the people. And Trump is one of the few presidents that makes the office smaller than the person inhabiting it. And that's that's been frustrating. And but again, he's the kind of petty asshole that's just going to he, he's going to do as much damage as he can and then fuck off and and take as little heat as he can until. <laughs> there's no longer the country to protect him and then we'll see what happens it was all pence it was all pence's idea <laughs> it was like it was a complete reagan i was stupid there was somebody whispering in my ear i was a puppet 
I was busy fighting the pedophiles in the yeah. Liberal media. Yes, puppet. Yes, puppet. I'm the puppet. <laughs> God, I still never got a good Trump impression, but now he'll be gone and it won't fucking matter. Your impression can be silenced because hopefully we'll never hear from him again. <laughs> Former I mean, President Donald scary. Trump had a stroke while tweeting on the toilet today. I, oh, boy. Yeah, just Elvis is right out of here. Um, I, I did have that, that odd moment, though, where I was like, you know what? No matter what happens in the coming year, I could, I could die tomorrow. I could, I could get COVID, end up on being intubated and die choking on my own fluids. That is a potential outcome. But I will die knowing that that fucker is gone. <laughs> and I, will, and I, could, I could rest a little easier. I, like, I feel bad because my mom died while Trump was in office. And I was like, I, f I felt bad for that because I was like, it, it sucks that you got to die, but you got to die with hating your president. That sucks. Anyway. I think it says something when countries around the world are celebrating a victory. You know, speaking as someone who lives close to the border, someone that knows a lot of Americans and Canada and U.S. being so close when it comes to trade and tourism and many other things that we do, there was a relief that was felt because there was a, a big concern. All joking aside, when I saw the, the number of people that have passed, when I think about the economy and the state you guys were in, it scared me for a lot of Americans I know. And I'm really happy that now there's somebody in that's going to deal with this pandemic besides other issues like, you know, black lives are so transgender. There's so many things that we could get into. But if we look at this basic survival, and basic, we need our countries to get back and our borders open because we rely on each other for a lot of tourism and a lot of financial support goes back and forth. And we need a president in there that's going to work with our prime minister and we're going to work with each other, not against each other. So I'm very happy. So we, we can have your drugs. <laughs> yes, you can have all the drugs, Bo. Yes. You come here. Actually, Bo, I don't know if you do this, but up here, marijuana is legal. So you just come on up and we'll take you to a store. I've, or we'll get I've you... heard it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've never tried it, but if you ever want to, <laughs> you let me know. <laughs> if I ever want to dance with the devil. That's right. Uh, yeah. I'll, yeah. I, I might have told this story before, uh, and if I have, I apologize. But when the first time I went to California, it was still a rarity for, you know, to encounter legalized marijuana in the United States here. Uh, and I, I was in L.A., and it was right after it had been, like, legalized for just every old person could buy pot if you wanted to. And so my my buddy picks me up from the airport. The first stop is a dispensary. Yes. <laughs> and so we stop in, and it's a real, like, again, this is before the big boom. And it was not that it's totally normalized, but way less normalized than it, it was then. It was a little more Wild West. And it was kind of a shoddy-looking place, and I was like, this looks like a place where people buy drugs. <laughs> and then we go up the steps and they have like a bouncer there. And he's like checking the car. Cause at the time it was uh, still kind of medical. I guess it was medical at the time. And um, so Ian, uh, the guy who directed lost after dark, uh, Ian shows him the card and he looks at me. He's like, what about this guy? And he's like, Oh, he's visiting from out of state. He's not from here, but he just wants to go inside and take a look around. And he's like, well, let me see your ID. So I have to pull out my ID. And I'm like, oh, I'm from Tennessee. And he's like, all right, go in, hick. And then we go in. 
But we go inside, and then immediately to the left, there's an open door, and I see somebody literally pouring stacks of raw cash out of a paper bag. <laughs> Like it was fucking New Jack City, and I was like, "They sell drugs here. That's what it looks like when you have when you're selling drugs." Even though this is a business, and it was like a you know the vending machine with joints and all that kind of shit, and you know like you pay twenty bucks, and it's like here's a bunch of shake from like eight different strains and four gummies. Go nuts! It's you know cost nothing. So and so we loaded up for the weekend and whatnot. But it was it was one of the most surreal experiences to both be feeling like I was doing something incredibly illicit, but then you get to the bar and they're like, oh yeah, this is called Skywalker Kush. Uh, it's a really nice body high, but there's a hint ahead that I think you're really going to like. <laughs> and like these sommeliers of weed, and you're like, oh man, leave it to LA to fuck this up so royally, <laughs> where it just becomes a barista experience. We needed another one of those in our lives. <laughs> there's a dispensary a block and a half from my house that was getting ready to open. And it's just sitting there, not open, right next to a record shop. And it's got the same name oh, as the pizza place a block away. So I imagine there's <laughs> going to be some confused people every once in a while ending up at the other. I've got to go all the way across town. <laughs> like a what? cave person. Like a poor? Yep. Speaking of pores, if we... <laughs> Keep Heather on track for two seconds. <laughs> you know, guys, I really when I don't, I don't appreciate you stuffing my creativity, Bo. Um, <laughs> my expression. I, look, I like organization. I like keeping everything nice and nice and in line. I'm. Uh, oh, hold on. Let me get the guy's name. I'm the the the, the Trimagasi of the show. Obvio. Yeah. So, had everyone seen the platform before? I had. I had not. Oh, okay, so you're you're the odd man out. If I'm if I may, what was your experience watching this for the first time? Well, the reason why I had you both still come on here, I am a little surprised that more people haven't sought me out. Maybe I'm not political enough that people didn't think to make me watch this movie when it came out. <laughs> Because, you know, I I feel like the, the ads I saw, I didn't see a whole lot of ads for it or anything like that. But I think the original artwork I saw made me think that it was a horror movie about an oil rig or something. I, is this, so that must that just, is fair. I could, I could see that. Yeah. Fleetingly as I glanced at it. But I, this, this movie, the platform, El Oyo, is straight up my fucking street. And thank you for choosing it. Heather, this was your plan, as I do with everybody, when they pick the film. What was your line of thinking behind that? Uh, I thought this will make Darren really mad, and he'll talk a lot about it. <laughs> but I, I, I think this film was also dropped at the most appropriate time in Canada and the United States. This was dropped in March of this year. Yeah. And I don't think you could have dropped a film with... There's multiple messages, but if we look at overconsumption, I think March in both our countries summed up um, what people will do when they feel that resources are limited. Yep. The people above us are above us. The people that are below us are below us. What was the, there are three types bastards of person. Are... Yeah. Mm -hmm. The bastards. They'll be pissing on us next, next month. Uh, you know, trickle down economics, the movie. 
it, <laughs> no pun intended, since we were talking about pissing on people. This movie did make me upset. <laughs> this this movie, I try not to look too much into critiques of a film before I get a chance to talk about it because I don't want to be led by it. But I it just offhandedly noticed that some people were saying that they thought that the movie was a little too on the nose, which I don't really understand about a social commentary. I mean, I mean, I guess it could be watching a double feature with Snowpiercer or something like that. Weirdly, I watched both of those within 72 hours of each other, as well <laughs> as Okja. So I am, I'm up to the gills with class warfare people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably just saying this because I watched it over the summer, but it, it sort of makes me think of the Del Toro stuff, Pan's Labyrinth or which... Uh, I don't know why. Maybe just because, what, the old man, the, the first oh. roommate on level 48. Goring's yeah, the guy whose name I literally just said and can't remember. Yes. Um, that, that dude is named uh, Trimagasi. Trimagasi. He would have probably had been in his 30s, 20s or 30s, when uh, Franco died. And, and so I found it pretty interesting that the when uh, Goring was talking about you know let's organize and make sure that everybody gets enough food to eat the first thing he goes to is you know are you uh, say comunista I'm kind of just glowing about this movie I, I, I mean I like I've already said that we're going to spoil it right if I haven't I'm saying it now so you know we can go really in depth chronologically going through this movie or we can go about with uh, themes and things like the sound design, the gross, gross sound design and stuff like that. Uh, what what do you feel like? Well, for me on the second watch, I really came out with themes that I had missed the first time around. I think there's an overall theme, but then there's um, smaller things that talk about envy that we can really play into the society of, well, if you get that, I want it. I deserve it. Why are you getting it? And I think when we look at, for example, forgiveness of student debt, we see that issue now, oh. right? Or, well, I didn't have it like that. Why should you have it like that? Um, I think even if we look at the two main characters at the beginning, I, I really think the moral changes between the two characters highlight maybe what you can see as maybe a socialist versus a non-socialist at the beginning and the idealists of, of it. Like I, I really pulled out of this the second time a lot more social messages than I did the first time. Like, yes, there's social messages that you can clearly see, but there's subtle things as well. It's difficult, I think, to talk about this movie in a chronological way other than maybe by roommate. Okay. Because, all right, so or, or the overall idea, right, is that you, you can go into this hole under the promise of whatever, like paying off, Debt, I think, is is uh, Goring's thing, and then getting a degree is what Trimagasi keeps talking about. And it, but it, it's whatever aspiration you have, right? Like the movie is so highly metaphorical that it almost kind of doesn't matter. It's just you want something, and so Trimagasi to me is you talk about him coming of age in the time of Franco. He is a guy who is bought into the machine. You know, like he he believes that the people on top belong on top because that's how that's how it happened. You know, it's all happenstance, but 
there on top. There are people below you. You get to you get to piss and shit on the people below you. You gorge yourself on on what is given to you, and you don't question what they do at the top because eventually you could be at the top. And when you're at the top, you don't want to be responsible and you don't want to portion yourself, you know, like because then it's your turn to be shitty. Like you can be shitty to in this film to uh, a couple of people uh, below you. Or what if you get to level eight and think of all the people below you that have to get your scraps, you know, and 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 to me, that is like the perfect kind of entry into the film is this idea of you have Goring, who is sort of, I think, uh, sort of the eyes of the audience a little bit. He's our, our way into the story, into the metaphor. And when you look at how he, like, he's kind of amused, I think, at first by Trimagasi, but then slowly realizes how dangerous this guy is. That, that, you know, for lack of a, a better term, this kind of raw capitalist individual that is like, I'm here for me. I'm going to consume and consume and consume and, and, and appreciating that social strata and, the, and that structure. And that eventually it's like, oh, if I have to kill you and eat you, I did, yeah, you're a nice guy and all. But if I got to do that, I got to do that because baby, daddy's got to eat. And, you know, like even tell like there's that point where uh, Trimagasi just ties him up and is like, look, I don't want to kill you, but you know, I I've got to, I've got to survive. And you would never, you would never make it. You're just too nice a guy. You're too idealistic. This is the way it ought to have worked out. You know, the strongest have survived. It's a survival of the fittest. And I was the fittest. And, and uh, so that was my read on that whole that front end of the movie that kind of establishes what the platform is and all that stuff. I think that's a great reflection, Bo, and it talks about capitalism, right? And no matter how we look at capitalism, you can go up and you forget about those behind you and you, and you, and that's human nature, you know, which is an argument why true communism can never work is because we are uh, greedy. And I almost feel like, and I'm probably going to say his name, right? Gord, Gordon, the main character, the mm-hmm. protagonist, I guess you could say, um, he is almost resisting capitalism. I almost felt like he was what you would consider a liberal and a, and, um, a Republican, right? Like, oh, no, that's not me. I'm not going to do this. But then he has no choice but to yeah. consume the food and, you know, eventually leads to cannibalism as well out of sake of survival. And I, I agree with you 100%. I think that um, definitely this was a movie about buying into social class and buying into what capitalism is in, in the grand and how you can change so quickly, how you can, you know, and nine you though, it's very hard for someone to go as much as we like these Cinderella stories from the bottom to the top. That's not an actual thing in Catholic societies, but um, yeah, like I felt like that whole opening sequence the second time around that I watched it, I'm like, yes, like this really is amplifying that a lot more. And I think that's why the, movie starts out with that quote about there are three types of person those at the top those at the bottom and those who fall there is no mention of people going up mm-hmm. and you know yeah we see that through uh gosh i keep messing up his name trimagasi trimagasi yeah it, he is a good example of the Sort of, yeah, the the old guard and everything like that. And it, it, it's, it gives you the impression that 
what do they call it? The VSA or whoever created the whole is doing this as a social experiment. It's like a fucked up panopticon or something like that. And I'm led to believe that what's her name? Emma. Imaguri. Imaguri is an example of part of the machine that thinks it's doing something good. She thinks that the whole thing is set up to not really endanger anybody. There's only 200 levels. There's enough food for everybody. This is going to help people learn and spark that solidarity. Uh, as, yeah. as they later say, solidarity covered in shit. Because they think that people will just be urged to work with each other, whereas everybody sort of reverts to the atavistic base modes of survival. Like like the girl that's looking, well, that they say is riding up, up and down the, the platform. Or like the, I, I, you don't really see a whole lot of other characters other than Gorang and Trimagasi and Imaguri and ba- Baharat? Is that how you say the... Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. And, yeah, so uh, Ibiguri is tries, you know, they set up the little portions, everybody please, and uh, it sort of goes to the older man in the wheelchair later that says, you have to start with manners and words first. And if that fails, you hit back and you hit back hard. And different people handle it different way. I mean, we saw what happened when, uh, you know, after the end of the month, you get gassed and you wake up on some random floor and it seems just random. We, we don't really know who picks and how, but two levels past what they were sure was the last level. And that was that was enough. That was it. Yeah, th- this whole idea. And again, I, I think. I don't know that's a criticism to say that the movie is so obvious. It's like, well, yeah, but that's what the movie is. It's, Mm -hmm. it is, it is, of course it's obvious because the whole thing is a metaphor. It's the same way that fairy tales are obvious. Like, you know, you know, like there is a a lesson to be taught and, and this movie is, is, you know, trying to teach a lesson. It's, is it didactic? A hundred percent. But I don't know that obvious is the way I would I would characterize that. But I, I will say I think that um, the, the this notion of like, hey, you're going to have this in, incredible, you know, buffet of of gourmet food prepared, and whoever is on the first level is going to dine like they've never dined before. You know, it, you're somewhere on this platter. You're, the favorite food you've ever had is going to be somewhere on that thing, and this notion of like slowly descending through the ranks um, and, and being okay with it the way that, that Trima Gassi is that he, he's sort of willing to kind of ride that whirlwind. And then when, you know, ultimately he, he dies because uh, Maharu kills him when he's going to kill uh, Goring. And uh, because what uh, uh, Goring had made, like he was going to save Maharu who by the way, did not need him. To, to save her, but was like, hey, I appreciate the effort, I guess, was her take <laughs> on it. And so and so when there's an opportunity for her, her to kind of repay that kindness, she does. Um, and and so he then ends up with Imaguri, 
uh, who, like like you were saying, Darren, is this woman who worked, actually interviewed Goring to get into the hole and gives her perspective. And like you said, it is sort of this almost Brazil-style bureaucracy that she has been kind of bought into. And now she the scales have kind of fallen away from her eyes a little bit. But she goes into it totally nice. Like, she brings her fucking dog with her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, well, it'll be rough, but I'll have my companion. Which you know, shows privilege. Right. 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 <laughs> right. The fact she didn't have it in a purse. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. 100%. So, right. yeah. And and I, just to, to wrap up my thoughts on Emma Curry, I think that one of the things that, that that's really interesting about her character is that once she sees what the system she is part of really is, she immediately wants out. Like it's, it's not, she's not going to be one of the fittest. She's just like, Oh my God, my whole life has been kind of a lie. And she, once she understands that this life of privilege that she led and she goes in because she thinks she's dying of cancer and I guess wants to pay penance in some way or feels like, well, I need to experience this or something. Um, I need to be real for once in my life, perhaps. And uh, if I can get real with y'all for a minute. Um, But maybe that's her motivation for going in. Again, it kind of doesn't matter because it's more about who she is as a character than who she is as a person in this movie. But yeah, I think that's really fascinating. And I think that's the other perspective because now Goring is the veteran. He's the one telling her, like, why'd you bring a dog here? Like, so somebody's going to eat that. Where I'm going to eat that dog if I have to, you know? And so he kind of becomes uh, Trimagasi for this segment of the film. Like, he has taken on that role of, this is how it is. We're going to ride this thing out. Maybe we'll be on a good level. Maybe we'll be on a bad level. And as soon as it gets tough for her, uh, Imagari's out. She, you know... (laughs) <laughs> deuces y'all i'm i'm done i'm not playing this this starvation game to see who eventually gets desperate enough to kill the other to eat it's a really interesting point that you make though you know first of all going on hunger which is the biggest human basic need and you know scott and i when we talked about this movie i said neither one of us have experienced real hunger and i spoke for scott and i just because i'm aware of our backgrounds and what it will drive you to do and the insanity that it will put. So it's interesting that they just used hunger. And it's interesting that they used the favorite food, as in, if we look at the capitalist system, it's okay, maybe one day it will happen to you. Maybe one day you'll get that prize. Maybe one day that lucky day will come and it will come to you. And I think for her coming in, I almost wonder if because she had cancer, she had nothing to lose. It almost seems like it was so, um, maybe she felt like she was being righteous, but if she was that far you know, into her cancer and there was no going back, what did she have to lose by going there? Now you could argue she did something noble by taking her life and allowing someone else to live. Um, but it's a real interesting examination of that character arch turn that everybody does in this and the communications that they have and almost becoming one with the system, but yet going along with it, you don't really want to, which a lot of us, I think I speak for myself. I go along with a capitalist because I have to, not because I think, best it's i don't have a choice so i try to help where i can within that system but i'm still handcuffed within that system and i feel like this movie exposed that and what happens when someone who has privilege comes down to a level where they realize they can't make the impact they thought they were going to make but even then she had no real skin in the game because she was so far along and then her dog was gone and i guess she felt like she had no reason to live on top of that but yeah it's a very interesting reflection on society 
they kept bringing up snails. Trimagasi refers to Goring as his little snail when he's preparing to eat him. Uh, that's Goring's favorite food. That's also, you know, bringing into this movie just being everywhere with the metaphor and symbolism. I've never had escargot, but it is one of those foods that, without a fancy name, it's a delicacy to some people, and to other people, it's a function of gardening. It's It has value because people say it does. I don't know if you had anything to think about that before we go into uh, Goring bringing in Don Quixote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, not... Right. If you want to say this movie is on the nose, sure. Which I'm totally fine with. A hundred percent. I'm like, that is not a criticism to me that, like I said, that's what the movie is. It is, this is a metaphor about, about capitalism and, and, and social strata and socioeconomic levels and stuff like that. Make no bones about it. That we're not, we're not trying to be tricky. <laughs> you know, this is it, it follows where it's like, well, maybe I think it's about, it's like, no, 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 it's, this is what it is about. Um, but I, again, I don't think that's a, that's a problem with the film. Uh, I, I, it just is what, like Snowpiercer is the same way. Like Snowpiercer is a hundred percent didactic, but also has little kids as machinery and a giant engine. And how do you say no to that? And a song. What happens when the engine stops? We all freeze and die. When that teacher pulls out a submachine gun in Snowpiercer, it's one of those moments of like, fuck it, this movie will do anything, and I love it. <laughs> um, I love that movie so much. I gotta but... see this movie. I have not seen it. <laughs> oh. And as soon as we get off this call, I'm watching that movie. Snowpiercer is... And then I'm coming uh, back on to talk about it. <laughs> it's, it's Captain America. We'll, we'll reassemble the, the, the round table. It's Captain America... On, on a train with Tilda Swinton as the villain. And the whole trick is we live in the back of the plane. All the people have it good at the front of the train. We are going to get from the back to the front and take this motherfucker over. And it is, it, it is this, right? I mean, it's the platform. It is a hundred percent a metaphor about trying to climb the social ladder and what that can lead to and all that stuff. Um, but it's fantastic, and it it has uh, a, a crazy drug drugged out dad that's fantastic. Well, you anyway, you'll love it. Um, <laughs> but but I going back to the platform as as metaphor. I one of the things that I think is interesting about Goring at the at this stage again, not only is he sort of numb to everything, but I think what Heather was saying about this idea of like going along with capitalism because you gotta. And and that's true, right? Like it's you know it's the worst system in the world, except for all the other ones. Is the the old line? <laughs> but I think it goes more. Uh, if I can share a, a bit of wisdom that came from uh, when I was bartending back in college, one of the other bartenders was a, a a young woman named Sheila Lester. Sheila Lester one time gave me the best piece of advice I've ever been given by any man, woman, or child on this planet, and she was complaining about some bills. And I said, well, you got to pay him. And she said, no, here's the, here is the equation of life. You are either pimping or you are being pimped. So the water company is pimping me for money because I need to take a shower. So I am pimping all these customers for tips so I can pay the water company. The trick is to get to the point where nobody is pimping you above you. And 
It was 100% true. It remains true to this day. It is one of the few things that anyone has ever told me that has been true for decades in my life. And uh, it is, there's something capitalist about it, but it is also a firm recognition of, of the, the actual doggy dog nature of capitalism. You know, that it, that is all it is, is you are, you are either, you are either making money or somebody is making money off of you. And that is, that is capitalism 101. And the hilarious thing about currency is we as human beings are the one that gave that power. Like, depending what faith you have, it wasn't like, let's say God was like, and I give you dollar bills, (laughs) right? We created currency. We created value. We created division. And, you know, I'm not saying that I, I, I understand that's a big concept and I'm not saying currency is bad, but we created it and now we have to live within this system of it. And we're just pimping. Or being pimped, you're 100 percent right. Not me. Sorry. All credit where credit is due. Sheila Lester. Sheila, you were right. Yes. We're all pimped. I hope we're you're pimped. listening, Sheila. I hope so too. Oh my God, she was an amazing lady. One of one of those like single moms you meet. That's like, you know, I'm going out on Tuesday. That's the night I get off. And it's like, oh, you are just like out here hustling every day. Your life is shit. And the and. She would get like when she went out and partied and, and whatnot, she did like one time a week and fucking blew the doors off. It was a thing to behold. Taught, taught me a lot about people, Sheila Lester. I think we, we should take a quick break and go get our capitalistic vice of choice and return to talk about eating books and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, getting desperate. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> This is Bo from legionpodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar for those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on. Well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Now, Darren, where's your son? Where's the biggest Leaf fan? (laughs) He is in the house, probably refusing to go to bed. (laughs) He was watching old episodes of The Mandalorian when I went outside. That kid is way older than his age, huh? (laughs) At night, and I think this is just a tactic to stay awake, he has to go get one of his Nerf guns every time Mando 
is doing some sort of battle scene and he'll run around on the floor <laughs> mimicking the moves. That's super cute though. That's actually pretty adorable. <laughs> but yeah, he Love was it. totally rooting for the Leafs the whole time during the playoffs. He He's was so cute. Just like, let's what go Leafs. <laughs> I love it. Traitor. Just wait till he's a teenager, Darren. Just wait. <laughs> oh yeah. He'll have strong leadership skills and and really assertive personality. <laughs> I told him to brush his teeth this morning, and he said, "I I just kind of wish you were never born." Wow. <gasps> wow. That's a strong reaction to dentistry. Yeah, I I said what. And he said, well, if you hadn't have been born, you wouldn't have just told me to brush my teeth. And I'm like, I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> you know, he's quick-witted, though. That's quick-witted for that age. That's impressive. You bring him up on a steady diet of John Carpenter movies, and... <laughs> that's what you get. You're right. Nihilism is baked in, man. He's... Yep. What's the point? <laughs> when your first idol is Jack Burton. Right. <laughs> Listen up. Old Danzig here on the Pork Chop Express. <laughs> Somewhere I've got a video of him doing that monologue or part of it. Oh, that's really good. Boy, that's something for like what not not for when the girlfriend comes over or whatever, because you, you want to do something more embarrassing than that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Darren's going to be like, we need to talk about social politics. Where do you stand? <laughs> Yeah. Dad, do we have to get into this right now? <laughs> uh, hang on a second, Danzig. Young lady, how do you feel about Spiro Agnew? Now, we need to talk about what you think of NFL teams' names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, are you a Potato Skins fan? Yeah. We are Potato Skins house. <laughs> <laughs> Is everybody having a good time? Is there anything that we haven't hit on that we need to get into? Do you want to get into the kind of the last act with Barrett? Is that where we are? Or do, I don't yeah. want to look. It, it's Heather's movie. I'm along for the ride and just being distracting. He's <laughs> being funny too. Yeah, Throwing liners here and there. Right? I think we're we're fine to move on to the third act. I don't think I have anything else to say. I think we've summed it up. The only thing I would add is a little bit about the female presence in this. I, I had a theory the second time I watched it. Um, but that can come at the end because it ties into the end a little bit more in the third act. All right. I have to ask, were, were you taking notes earlier? I did. Oh, during the movie? No, just like while we've been talking. Yes. Or did you jot something down? Yeah. God, you're so much smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me a little mad. <laughs> like that's a good. I, I wish I thought about that. Sentence to you, <laughs> and then both said this, and it was really funny. <laughs> not, no, not not like that, but of just like, oh, I should make this point later, and that's that's clever. Like a yeah. well, I wrote I wrote notes beforehand, so I would sound smart coming on with you two, because like it's real time, so I had to be like real real game, real face, Heather. But yeah, I also wrote the movie Ruthless down because I want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Ruthless People is the name of it. Ruthless People. Yeah. There's a good uh uh was it Oinko Boinko? Did they do this the the theme song for Ruthless People? Hang on. They were in back to school too, right? Yes, they were, uh, as a matter of fact. I was wrong. The title song of Ruthless People sung by one Mick Jagger. Oh. Oh Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. Nineteen eighty six is the year. 
uh, Danny DeVito, Judge Reinhold, Helen Shaver, and who plays the wife? Is it uh, Bette Midler plays the wife, wow. and she is hysterical in it. Nice. Was it Bill Pullman? Uh, Bill Pullman's film debut, as it happens. Wasn't Helen Shaver in Tremors too? Was she? I mean, she's Supergirl. That's all you need to know. Why did I think her last name was Slater? Supergirl. Because it probably is. Wait, what did I say? Helen what Shaver? Did you say? All right, hang on, let's get to the bottom of this. Okay. So, yes, I have, look, I have a Helen Shaver, Helen Slater problem. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to own that. All right, yes, Helen Slater is Supergirl. And she was or was not in Ruthless People in 1986. I don't know why I'm pointing at you guys. <laughs> she was. So she is in Ruthless People. So it is Helen Slater, not Helen Shaver. Helen Shaver, of course, my babysitter. But she was in Tremors too. Aftershocks. Helen Shaver. Yep. Okay. Helen, Helen Shaver. Shaver. Yeah. Who looks a little like Helen Slater, but she was the one who was in, what, what was she in that she was famous for? She was in the Amityville Horror uh, as not one of the main characters. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Teresa Heiler on Hill Street Blues. Hey, there we go. Mm -hmm. Let's be careful out there indeed. As I said, I'm here for distraction. <laughs> Mostly Helen Slater trivia, apparently. Fair is fair. Helen Shaver is Canadian. Is she? What? Yeah, what Helen is, what Shaver is a Canadian actress and film television director. What is Helen Slater chop liver? She she too good for Canada? She's too good for our socialist health care. We don't want her here. <laughs> Actually, she probably is. I think I think she may Helen Slater may be one of those people who got like religion late. Um, religion late. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, she seems okay. She doesn't seem like a crazy person. Uh, on her Wikipedia though, they make a point of saying, "Hey." By the way, not uh, not related to Christian Slater. That's though, probably something she gets all the time. Well, they were also in a movie that I don't know would be appropriate for this show, really, called The Legend of Billie Jean. That movie would be perfect for this show. Yeah. Fair is fair. It's no Turk 182, but it's all right. That's true. It did feed into my childhood infatuation with, uh, what's her name? Kim Cattrall? That's it. I think she's Canadian, too. I think that's right. She she seems like she'd be Canadian. Aaron, <laughs> everything is lining up. It's time that you make the move. <laughs> How come he gets to go? I'm closer to the border. Too, you can come, too. You we come up come. here. We can podcast together. Yeah. It'll be a, be a, a whole commune. <laughs> then we make a break. Right. We, we, what's the Underground Railroad to Canada like? Is it... <laughs> It's just, it goes from a Denny's to a, a, Tim, Horton. a yeah. Tim Hortons. It's, it's all the Tim's. Like, oh, shit. That's you right. got the joke before you I got You just have there. to walk up to the border and be like, double, double. <laughs> go, Leafs, go. And they'll be like, accidents. When are the Leafs going to win a cup? Never, yeah. but I support them anyway. Perfect. You belong in Toronto. <laughs> I like that that's the password. Welcome to, welcome to Canada. Are you from here? Hey, I'd like a double, double, eh? All right, get in. <laughs> nice to have you back. They're going to win it before those bastards in Calgary do. I assume that's how they are when, when you cross the border back into Canada. They're just like, hey, welcome back. All right, <laughs> nice to have you. We were wondering if you were going to make it. Yeah, they want to know how much booze you're bringing in. They're like, how much booze? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. You don't get anyone for days, and then wham. 
15 people all at once. You got coffee. Great. You get something to eat? Yes, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. You came on uh, mac and cheese night. Lucky. Thursday is uh, turkey tetrazzini. So, welcome to Ontario. Wish it was under different circumstances, but we're happy to have you here. Thank you. Do you have any family in Canada? No. Well, great. Then I get to be your best friend. Here is your refugee ID card. Cell phone, all paid up for the next 12 months. And you have $200 for cabs on there. Just to get you started, $470 in cash. Medical insurance card. Prescription drug card. Here, some clothes. Uh, what's next? Um, uh, 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 do you want more to eat? Yeah, that, that's it. All right, <laughs> go ahead. American <laughs> Customs, on the other hand, they are G.I. Joe's. <laughs> yeah, we're serious about shit. Like, it's like, what'd you get? Can I have some? Yeah, <laughs> they're like, did you bring enough to share? <laughs> did you bring enough for all of Canada? You did. All right, that's a big trunk. <laughs> Or do they call it a boot? You know, some do, but not too much in Ontario. You would need to go pretty north to start hearing that. Sorry it, to disappoint. Or Quebec, of course, where Oh, no, Quebec they is love. French first. You won't even know what you're talking about. La boot. <laughs> You're like, oh, American, no. Oh. <laughs> I took like two years of French. I'd be fine. No, I'm sure you'd be just fine. I, we took, I took eight. And I went to a Tim Horton. So my cousin lives just on the border of Quebec. Now, mind you, they speak English fluently, okay? So only if you go to real small areas in Quebec that they don't. And I tried to order coffee in French. And they turned to me and they said, you know, we speak English here, right? Like, you don't need to. <laughs> okay. I, the way you started the story, I was afraid it was going to be a requirement. Like, No, no. They were like, we speak English. What are you doing? This is embarrassing. Can you please just order in English from this point forward? You're embarrassing both of us. <laughs> You're... <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Stop it. You make me want to spit up in my mouth. Can you just tell me what you want in your fucking coffee, lady? Like, we just need to keep this line moving. Stop it. No one cares about your great dead French. <laughs> Next. It is yeah. late. Let's wrap it up. There you go, Darren. We Very serious podcasting we have going on here tonight. No, you got to bring levity with the seriousness or it just gets depressing and nobody wants to listen. That's true. I was I was preparing myself for a dark turn on the show if the election hadn't gone that way. I don't even know what, what it would be. It'd just be me. The light would be more out. Just be like, hi, everybody. Fuck all this. You guys would be in the platform. You'd be like, how do I sign up for this? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the United States right now. <laughs> Where do you fall? <laughs> do you get a vaccine? Do you not get a vaccine? Do you get food? Do you not get food? <laughs> Where do you go? We'll find out. I don't, I don't like the platform. <laughs> Changes every month. Right. I it, Like our, our, our governor was trying to make some hay recently. He was like, we're going to have 100,000 vaccines in, in Tennessee. It's like, that's not very much. That's, I mean, it sounds like a lot. Like if so, if you offered me $100,000, that would be great. But if you told me that you were going to take $5,000 away from me every day, 
uh, which is the number of new cases of COVID we have every day. It's like, eh, it's going to run out in a month. That ain't going to last. That doesn't seem, yeah. that's going to go quick. Can we get more? <laughs> mm, we got 100,000. And is that per, per, per is that 100,000 people? Or since you have to get two inoculations, is that 50,000 people? I, I don't know. I, that, Jared, that's a why are you question. using logic? It's 100,000. It's good enough. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Our, yeah. Also, also, our attorney general was one of those knuckleheads that joined the Texas lawsuit. We're one of we're one of the states being like, hey, you know those other states that aren't us? You should overturn their their election results. Our attorney general filed an amicus brief. He didn't force us into joining that uh, that support, but it, he sort of went right down the middle, sort of like our governor is. Not doing anything except for begging people to wear masks and, you know, begging people to do the things that some people are making orders. But he's I mean, Mm. we've got a we do have a mask mandate that you can enforce it if you want. Uh, There's a curfew from 10 to 5, but he's doing like extra permissions if you're going to go watch sports. And but yeah, twice a week he comes on with 12 doctors and they're like, wash your hands, wear your mask, don't have parties, this and that. I really wish we could do more. Things are terrible. The next three weeks are going to be very vital. And yeah, but our, our attorney general, his case challenging, they tried to get more uh, ballot drop boxes before the election. And he said, I really want to do this, but I don't think I have the power to do that. So if the courts tell me I can, great, but I don't know. And the court's like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. It's like, well, it's my duty to appeal that decision. Uh, Now that the election's gone, it's still left as ruling that we can have as many ballot drop boxes as we want to. But that everybody's just walked away from that lawsuit now that the election's over. His new thing is he thinks the court should think about considering Texas's lawsuit because elections need to have integrity. But he does not think any court has the power to overturn an election. So I don't know what the fuck so he's talking about. He just wants but... to do it for goofs. Yeah. So like, hey, you know it'd be fun. What if we just went to the Supreme Court with this just to see? Well, you saw. I don't know if you did see, but just before we started recording, Trump has petitioned for permission to argue personally in front of the Supreme Court. Oh, after they knocked it down, they were like, "We're not mm-hmm. listening to this shit." Yeah. No, really, I really want to see you guys. Before I go, one last time. Just one more. Let's just get the band back together. Amy, Brett. You like beer, you I'll bring know beer. Me. Yeah. I'll bring some beers, I'll bring a Bible for you, Amy. I'll hold it upside down like I did. I know you like Jesus. You can show me which way it goes. That's not a six thing. Oh god. Yeah, that would be that would be the best. Um yeah, I you know, again, it's tough to get upset about that stuff cuz like Trump's going to Trump, he's going to flail every direction and whatnot. Like he's just a toddler throwing a tantrum at this point. He'll I'm I'm surprised I haven't been subpoenaed and, and or sued by Donald <laughs> J Trump uh as as somehow fouling up the election like it it's incredible. But also it's the grift, right? Like he's got to keep the scam going. Oh, he's because of all the money coming so in. So much money. 
Right. So the more he's fighting, I, I want to go to the Supreme Court because that's where the big money is. All these lower courts, like, that's good donations. I'm looking for big donations. That's all Supreme Court dollars. Your loser courts. <laughs> right. I don't need your loser appeals courts. Straight to the top, baby. It's the biggest court. It's the best court. People are saying that there's never been a court like this. <laughs> so I really need your money. Yeah, 100%. That's... That, like that uh, that's the sham right and then he come january 20th he's up to his shenanigans only hopefully hopefully the media will learn a little bit of a lesson and just be like you know what if we don't shine a light on this guy he just kind of goes away <laughs> sometimes yeah. i wonder if we're just keeping our borders closed until after trump's is out of power if candace just like yeah 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 covid covid yeah <laughs> no no that's why yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah COVID, and we find out on like January twenty first, like, and it's open again. <laughs> right. Until it's fine, guys, it's fine. <laughs> until then, we're just like those sad Hari Krishna zombies from Dawn of the Dead right. banging on the door of Canada. <laughs> we're like, no, no. Well, no, that's no, not a hundred percent true. You can fly into the states, but if you come back, you have to quarantine. And it's and if you don't, if you break quarantine, and there's people that have, you get charged ten thousand dollars. Like, they don't fuck around up here. Like, it's... And you have to wear a mask. Like, it's mandatory in the province of Ontario. I was out for dinner with my parents a couple weeks ago. And these two people walked in without masks. And they're like, you need to put on a mask. Here's a disposable one. Put it on. And they did. Like, there's no... Like, there's no option. Like, you wear a mask or you don't go into places. So it's really interesting to hear this kind of wishy-washy, like... Because it's not an option here. Like, it's, it's not... Or if you, you get fined, and there's people that have got fined a lot of money, because that's where it hurts, right? You find people, that's where they start to respond. Yeah, it, it yeah. is punishable yeah. that way, at least here. It's just that we have a Republican governor and a Republican <laughs> legislature. So they're like, yes, this is a rule if you want to follow it. Right. So you, all the businesses have to have signs in their windows that say you have to wear a mask. But also assume that anyone not wearing a mask has a medical reason. And it, yeah, it's just really fucking ridiculous. Actually, a club across town got shut down, at least temporarily, because they had a 500-person concert this weekend. And they had undercover people from the health department there writing everything down and taking pictures. But they let everything happen, and then they find the business. <laughs> they were undercover rocking <laughs> they were doing some shots <laughs> yeah their notes are all like squiggled and like half written <laughs> well i was just, just like hey jerry <laughs> isn't our job to stop this <laughs> oh right like right no. we should <laughs> no man i need a good night out it's been a while let's just let's just let the good times roll yeah. <laughs> look covid don't do molly i do molly <laughs> I work for the health department. I know where the shots are going to be. My favorite shit is where they're like, hey, no restaurants after 10. It's like, yeah, COVID only comes out at night like a vampire. I don't, as long as you're home before sundown, COVID can't get can't find it. It's like, it's like the quiet place. We're going we're gonna to strongly so suggest that nobody leave their house around the time that the least amount of people leave their house. Yeah. <laughs> Can you stay home when you're asleep? If, they, if you could just do that for us, yeah. you'd be really doing us a big solid. 
donuts are real solid right here. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> for sleeping also, in your if you could contract, if you do contract COVID, if you could have no symptoms and not die, you would also <laughs> be giving us a big hand here in the government. Like, if you could not use a ventilator, we would really yeah. appreciate it. If, yeah, if you could not overflow the hospitals yeah. and and end up in, like, semi-morgues, uh, if you could not do any of that, boy, we'd sure look a whole lot better. Maybe you could build your own ventilator from home. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe it could be, like, a project. <laughs> hey, pride? How do you know you can't make a ventilator? <laughs> you can't tell me that you can't administer world-class health care on yourself unless you've tried. That's right. That's what losers say, not yeah. winners. <laughs> a loser says, I need a doctor. <laughs> oh my god. I can't breathe. Winners what say, a... <laughs> yeah. I can't a... say anything. Let's see. I think I'm going to have you to are... leave some of this in. Oh, please do. <laughs> I support my views 110% and yours. Both of yours. Yeah, I, I feel like we, we've reached a consensus. <laughs> <laughs> important, important work we're all doing. <laughs> so, I wish I had a gavel. <laughs> what are those hand gavels called? Not even the full gavel, but the ones where you just have the, the base and a little wooden chunk where you're bang on that. Harumph, harumph. What? <laughs> Old I, white guys at play. I didn't get a rump out of that guy. What about the platform? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can bullshit my way segue style through here. We find ourselves, once again, uh, we were talking about the way people change after adversity. You know, some people rise to it. Some people are bitches and can't make their own ventilators out of toilet paper rolls or whatever the fuck we're expected to do. If you can find toilet paper, I hear people are hoarding it again, but you can't hoard in the platform. There we go. Mm, no, you can't. Because which Way is an, another odd thing. And I guess that is is interesting to me in that one little aspect. If, if it was straight only talking about capitalism and not talking about human nature and not talking about greed and not talking about the other things. If it was just capitalism, all the people on level one would keep all the food and everybody below would die. <laughs> and it would be a 20 minute long movie. Um, right. Floor two, co- yeah. nothing but corpses yeah. below corpse, uh, below floor two. Just them sweeping off the table in the first place. <laughs> right. <laughs> Suck it, floor two. Uh-huh. <laughs> nothing? The end. <laughs> Right. Be at the top or you suck. The end. It was originally envisioned as a short film. Yeah, really short film. <laughs> Can we have some food? No. The no. End. We get to the, the highest that Goering, uh, Goring gets. Herman Goering. He is transitioned to the, the seasoned product of the whole you know, he went in, like you were talking about, Heather, earlier with people doing stuff like this for student debt. And that was one of what what uh, he wanted to do was to quit smoking, read Don Quixote, and he would come out with a degree. And that was one of the reasons that uh, Trimagasi was pissed, because all he did was 
kill a immigrant and he didn't get a degree. So there's even jealousy within the class or the classes or the the hierarchy. But once our Don Quixote character, our character that, you know, is fighting against the windmills, he's arbitrarily picking a woman that he thinks needs saved, who doesn't need saved, you know, he's got his Dulcinea in Miharu. Is that how you say her name, Bo? I think. Have either of you read Don Quixote recently? Uh, never. Never. I would love to pretend like I have, but I have not. Yeah, I came for. I like. I've seen multiple versions, and and that documentary uh, Lost in La Mancha, which I think should count. Ooh, I still need to see that. It's really good. One of the things that I did latch on to the last time I read Don Quixote was that I feel like in the end, he's given up on chivalry for the most part. He has stopped fighting and he just in misery. <laughs> and I, I feel like some of those ideas transfer into the movie. And I know we probably I don't know how much we want to talk about the ending and we haven't got to that part yet, but there's a lot of interpretation. I feel to be explored in how this movie ends. But I guess before we get to the ending, we've got to get to the beginning of the third act, which is waking up on level six with Baharat, who is a hopeful, hopeful person. We don't know how long Baharat's been in there. We do know that it's the highest he's ever been. And as everybody's item that they bring in with them says something about them, you know, one of the people that we see brought in a pile of money. Goring's got the the book. Everybody's got their own little thing. But the hopefulness of Baharat is I've got this rope. And if I throw it up to someone, they will help me up. And that is... You know, he's smiling, I feel like. He's energetic. And there's the, those people in level five. They give him hope and shit all over it. Literally. They literally shit on him as he's trying, trying to get up. I mean, I don't know. Having this white couple literally shit on a black dude as he's trying to climb up to their level is maybe the most direct <laughs> analogy of the movie or metaphor of the movie, but it it's effective, though. It's still like, oh, that's both disgusting and thematically appropriate. How much how much into the end do we do we want to get? Do we kind of feel like anybody that's made it this far has hopefully watched the fucking thing? And they've been warned. Better yet, they've been warned, Darren. They've been warned. So, like you kind of need to do to change a system that is set up to protect itself. You got to break the bars off the bed and uh, try to make sure that you get the message and the, the food, the good message, the panna cotta, whatever, to the weakest person, the person most in need. Hopefully that you can change people's minds to see the goodness of your idea because the first few people below you are probably going to be complacent in their level, especially if they're still getting food. And then you'll see how quickly some people who are living month to month or paycheck to paycheck are, especially in an abusive system, can be extremely afraid to not get that, that days of food. Not really confident that if they give up eating today that they will eat tomorrow. 
and what do they call it? Two men on fire. Uh, is that the phrase that they used? Like, mm-hmm. You have to have that enthusiasm. This is when I got excited when they made their plan. This is what we're going to fucking do. And this is it. And I got I did get annoyed when th- their idea of beating the system was. And I, th- I think there's a million ways to fight a fight. But I kind of feel like the symbolic we're going to return this posh piece of food to you and that's going to show you whatever. I don't even know exactly what returning the panna cotta would do. I mean, it is an act of defiance, which is always good in rebellion, but it kind of is like, I think that trying to show your humanity to your oppressor isn't always as effective as pointing out the inhumanity of the oppressor. I think that's a really interesting point that you make, and I never really thought of it that way. I just figured that they were trying, because it was a social experiment that some people were choosing, consenting to be there for. And my understanding is that in term, in lieu of prison, some people were sent there instead. Yes. That was my, so, so you have a mixture of people that have chosen to be in this situation. And in turn, you can say chosen to be oppressed, so they didn't really know what they were signing up for. But yeah, that's a really good point to make is that and I think maybe that's why that changes and that shifts of what the actual message is, because you're you're thinking that these people that are, you know, the administration or the bourgeoisie or the elitist class or whatever is going to care. And they're not probably going to care. Like, they're going to be like, great, return this. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, the, the humanity isn't there already. I think that's a really valid point that you make. And I didn't think of that when I was watching this. And that's, yeah, it's interesting. Thanks. I also like the fact that it's kind of not their idea. Like, they have this, like, all of this starts with Imaguri, who wants to, like, hey, let's ration everything. We're on a high level. If I just rationally explain to somebody, hey... If we just portion this food, there's enough for everybody. You know, it's pure, uh, pure socialism at that point, right? Like everybody gets the same amount. You know, maybe pure, pure communism is better, uh, a, a better ideology there. Uh, everybody shares the burden. Everybody shares in the benefits equally. Down goes the platform. If ever, if I prepare two plates that you can survive on, you do the same. We pay it forward and pay it forward and pay it forward, and then quickly realizes that ain't going to work because mostly people are kind of assholes, you know, as many important historians have noted. <laughs> and uh, then when you have Bharat, who is is this like, uh, you know, an idealist in kind of the way that that Goring kind of was at the beginning, although his was more of a it was a comfortable idealism of. Like, it's never been challenged, and as soon as it is, he's willing to kind of slip into that that same role that Trimagasi, uh, 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 that that he had fallen into. And so Barad is really the person that kind of wait, rekindles in Goring this idea of, no, we should be fighting back, and, and there's got to be a way to do that. And so the first reaction, I think, is the youthful one, which is, Let's get a couple of lead pipes and beat the shit out of anybody that comes close to this thing. And then they get to the platform where Barad, you know, meets his former teacher who's like, no, 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 you dumb shit. Yes, if you have to do that, 
But the thing that's going to win people over more is the argument. Like, like you were saying, Darren, like be respectful, uh, try to engage them on a human level. And then if that doesn't work, that's where you get the lead pipes. And so I think, I think that kind of combination, it's basically a recipe for activism, right? Like you, you need, you need the passion, but you also need the wisdom to channel that passion into something that is going to make some kind of statement that that's directed, uh, that has a mission. And I think that's kind of the idea is that like, Hey, here's this panicata. The it, it, I, you're right. I mean, if I were one of the people cleaning up this piss and shit, and empty plates that came up every, every day. And all of a sudden there's a panicata under glass. I would be like, huh? All right. That's uh that's weird. Um, guess I'll clean it up with the rest of this shit. And that would, I would go on with my day. But, you know, again, a metaphorical movie of like, hey, we have learned as a society not to prey on one another. And that's the statement they're delivering upstairs. Mm -hmm. is, and it's all the power they have to do, too, right? Like, yes. Um, but I think what's really interesting, you think about food. And I think food was so fascinating that it was used for this. And I don't know uh, where you guys work, but I work at a university. And when we are in person, we have these lunches and stuff. And people act like sometimes they've never ate before. And, and like, you see them with their plates, like, or a buffet. And we, you know, I'm going to make an assumption here that we, all three of us have access to food on a fairly regular basis. I work with people that have access to food on a fairly regular basis, but they panic. And they're like, six rolls and potatoes, mashed potatoes, and, like, it's going to disappear. And it's not. I, as I said, I work at a university, let's bring out the other tray of potatoes. But when you're in a situation where it is going to disappear... And that's why these people are gorging themselves because they're terrified. They're not willing to listen to, to rhyme or reason. So I always think it's interesting, that conversation about manners. But unfortunately, sometimes things aren't done on manners. Black Lives Matters has proved that. How many times have people said, hey, there's a problem. Hey, there's a problem. People are like, shush, 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 shush. And then finally, people get mad and they take to the streets and they're like, why they're so violent, right? It's an interesting concept. And I, and I, I valued that conversation. And as much as I do want to think people can be reasonable with and have discussions with uh, this pandemic on Facebook and the election has proven to me that that's very challenging for some people to do. And it's not, and because either they're so firm in their beliefs and that's just politics. This is food. This is your life source. You don't know where you're going to be three weeks, two weeks from now, right? So it's a just, it's such an interesting descent that they have in those conversations and different ways you can take from it. I'm thankful that you brought this movie up for discussion. It's just kind of unassumingly critiques class consciousness. And mm -hmm. it's just like right, right there. And I'm trying to bring it in a little bit more from the movie, you know, like the, the people that have the, the connections or like, uh, Imaguri seemed like with her status going in, she could pick her cellmate. And mm -hmm. I'm probably not high enough to really draw that into a parallel with working in the food and in food industry. So I'm going to back away from that. Well, the food industry is an essential industry because it's a constant need. And even if we don't need it, even if we've had enough, we still want more. 
That's why you have 18 billion types of chicken sandwiches that exist across the United States and Canada. Because it's and it's interesting that they chose that in this film because it's such an essential thing that when you try to reason with somebody, even like in the food industry, you have people losing their mind because they got pickles on their Big Mac. Like it's such a passionate area that when you have it removed or people's thought of having it removed and the one guy says, well, manners, you know, you tell people, I don't, I think it's an interesting conversation. I don't think there was any other method than what they chose. Cause I think in that case, unless you utilized violence, there was no way that they were going to get that food down to the lower level. There was no way the panic was too intense. And we constantly, and speaking for America and Canada, for people that have privilege, that can't afford food, we have it in abundance. I go down to my fridge and there's food. I may say there's no food. Translation, there's nothing I want to eat right now. <laughs> that doesn't mean there's no food, right? right. Like, and that I, means I got to make something. <laughs> that means I got to make the craft dinner, right? Yeah, like, right. it's it's not, and I just think this movie played on that so so well by using food. And like you said with the food industry, Darren, it's it's plentiful. There's always opportunity because there's always demand. People always want it, and they and we need it. But there's a there's a line between needing and wanting, and I think this movie just really exposes that. Apropos of nothing, I've got a friend of mine that I always joke uh, when he eats, uh, he eats like it's his second day out of prison. You know, <laughs> had, had food all his life, and he yep. just arm around it like somebody's yeah. coming after him with a dinner fork. <laughs> um, but like he's in the platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. It's like, what the hell happened to you, man? What it was? Did you guys just, you know, Thunderdome it at dinner time in your house where <laughs> only the strong ate? But, but the thing I really like about the the end of this, and I think I I think you're you're both right that ultimately the thesis of this movie is reach out with one hand but have a bat in the other and (laughs) and i don't disagree with that but i think it's interesting that it starts as formless violence you know right like we're just gonna go down and and we're gonna make sure everybody has something to eat but at the end of the day this platform goes up the same way as it came down and and it's really the old man who, and maybe this is just me fighting for old men everywhere, but it is the old man who says, hey, you need to send a message. You, if you're going to do this, let them know you did it. Don't, don't let it be this anonymous gesture. And so when they get to the bottom and, you know, they realize how many levels there are and et cetera, et cetera, um, that ultimately the message isn't the food. Because what they what they run into is a moment where they they find you know this child maybe it's Miharu's maybe it's not you know we don't really know the truth of that I don't think uh, unless I miss something but uh, the important thing is that they're like well fuck the message we got to feed this child and then in the process of that they realize oh the child is the message that we you know that throughout the film they're like hey nobody under the age of 16 is allowed in the hole. Like that never happens. That is not something that is done, but here's this child. And so what they are doing is they're going to send the child up. And there, there's this great moment where, you know, Goring, who has been seeing this ghost of his first, you know, roommate, for lack of a better word, um, cellmate, maybe 
but it, you know, when he sees, I keep wanting to call him Tiramisu. <laughs> that is clearly not right. Trimagasi. When Tiramisu he sees, is the new name. Yes. When he sees Tiramisu, he's like, you are delicious. Um, <laughs> But when he sees this kind of ghost or the, this sort of mental phantom that he's created of, uh, of Tiramisu, he's like, hey, I got to go. I got to ride the platform up. And he's like, no, 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 no. The girl is the message. And the message needs no bearer uh, is the way he puts it. And I think that is sort of much the same way that you see this old man give a, a message to them of like, hey, here's how you're going to go about this activism. At the end of the day, it is about this generation, the Goring generation, of lifting up the next generation fundamentally to get them out of it entirely of like mm -hmm. the work we do, we will not survive to see the benefits of, but you will. And so by getting you out of this machine or this system or the whole or, you know, let's toss the whole as metaphor and just say, like, we're, we're going to get the children out of this system of capitalism and social strata and into this world that isn't necessarily utopia, but it's more equitable perhaps. And well, it's freedom. It's freedom yeah. from the oppression, right? The right. That's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think my ultimate, uh, is it a problem? It's kind of a problem. This is kind of a problem I have with the movie um, is I wish there were a little bit of a finer point on sort of like, what is the call to arms of this movie other than like, yes, you need freedom and you need break out the system, but in acknowledging the root problem, and maybe this is just an ex existential question I have. So if you have answers, this would really help my soul. It's the idea of like, if you, if you get this girl out of the system, you're still sort of delivering her into this world where all this food is being prepared and that kind of thing. Like it's not fully outside the system. You're, you're getting the, it, you're getting it out, getting a child outside the worst of it, but you're still not answering that question of how do you deal with this idea of this utopian world where we all work together and everybody is fed when you're met with human nature. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that the movie answers that in a satisfying way for me. And maybe it can't, maybe that's not the point, but walking away from this movie and I've seen it a couple of times now, and I really like it. I'm not, this is not some problem with the movie that is so innate and structural that it's like, this movie's garbage. It's just me as a person kind of wrestling with the issues of the movie and kind of thinking about, about socialism, which is something I believe in, but I also don't know that I believe that people have earned it and can be responsible with it in a, in a real way and, and not just socialized healthcare, but can you do something smart, like have, you know, equity in pay between creators and owners and entrepreneurs and the people who work for them. And how do you manage that and make it equitable for both parties and, you know, simple stuff like that. But when you start talking about socialism and human nature, I think these are the questions you ultimately land on. And I, I still, there's not a, a political philosophy that satisfyingly answers that for me. And maybe my problem with the platform is you have revealed to me the problem with my own belief system. <laughs> so, you know, fuck you, the platform for making me doubt my own, my own thoughts on, on, on socialism and the way that we could possibly live in the star Trek future that I'm working toward. 
But like the old guy said, the administration has no conscience, but maybe the people on level zero do. Right. But I don't know that I like the movie ending with a maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's all you get. And and again, I don't know that it's a problem with the movie. It's just that, I don't know, I just want somebody to tell me it's going to be okay. Well, you can you can plant the seed that will grow into the tree that the child will sit within its shade, and it's up to the child to keep keep care of that tree. Yeah, but all right. So enough of my stupid bull bullshit. What so? What is the the read that you had, Heather, that you were talking about with a, a more feminine take on the not on the film itself, yeah, but no, like I, the, I know the themes about of the character, it. right? Yeah. So it's Mahar Mahar. The, the woman that was traveling between the floors looking for her child. I thought it was very interesting. First of all, I thought the ethnicities were very interesting who was chosen for each role in this film. Um, being a woman that was not white, uh, she was victim to sexual assault many a times. I don't recall a, nine, non, a, a white woman being subject to sexual assault that we saw. And I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just wondering if it was purposely shown because we do know that women who are not white are more likely to be victims of sexual assault. So I wasn't sure if that was a political play in the movie or just how the casting went. And I wondered if she said that she had a son because she had a daughter and she had seen what had happened to her. And uh-huh. to say she had a son was a form of protection um, uh-huh. for her daughter. And is it possible that being a female, she could have become impregnated from everything that had happened to her? And perhaps it went unnoticed or perhaps they didn't care. And they wanted to see what would happen if a child was raised. So maybe she kept that child on the bottom level and would store food and somehow made it down. Like you don't really know how that child got there. And But that was the take I took on that, on her roles. And I really thought the ethnicities in this were chosen specifically. Um, maybe they weren't. Maybe I'm wrong on that 100% and that's okay. But I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I, now that you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah. And also with uh, Imagira, is that right? Yeah, Imagiri. I'm like, is is that a character from this movie or something that Godzilla fought? <laughs> um, no, sorry. It's, <laughs> poor, uh, it's a bad upbringing is uh, the root of the problem. Um, <laughs> but I thought with her, okay, so based on what you were just saying, there is the fact that she uh, had breast cancer and has cl- clearly had a mastectomy that it kind of desexualizes her to some extent. I wonder if that is, is part of it as but well. There were other women too. Cause when yeah. we go down, you see other women and um, like the ones that are on level five, it's almost like they have a consensual relationship, whatever that relationship mm-hmm. may be. Right. I just thought it was interesting that they chose a woman that almost looked indigenous as well or Filipino uh-huh. to be to be the individual that was going through and having these things happen to her you know multiple times we get the indication that she's being sexually assaulted um or assaulted yeah it kind, of lives out, it kind of lives outside the system to, to yeah almost I mean the, maybe this is a bit of a reach but it's sort of the way that uh, a lot of sex workers are treated kind of within yep. the system of like, yep. yeah, they're there, but nobody's really paying attention. Or indigenous and... sex women, to be honest, like especially yeah. in Canada, we have huge issues with that. And now I may be getting super deep. This is a movie that was not made in Canada and it was made in Spain. So obviously like I'm, I'm pulling at, at, at straws and that's fine. This is my interpretation and that's how I view it. But I just thought that was really interesting on the second watch. And yet again, it could just be, that's who is best for the part. 
Mm-hmm. We had like this has nothing to do with it. Um, you know, maybe she was somebody that uh, had become mentally ill. I don't know who couldn't living in that environment um, and was r- lashing out in anger. And the child just, I don't know, snuck in somehow. But that seems really weird to me on how a child would just be there unless there was another way that the child was there. But then you have, you know, the, the questions about birthing and the and stuff like that. And obviously, it's a movie, right? We have to, like, shelve a certain level of disbelief and and fantasy right but to your point though Bo, what you said about um the movie kind of ending being like well utopia is not possible i think that's a really hard reality that we do have to face i think when you are a socialist i'm like you i'm all like i want i i don't like the fact that homeless people are treated like third class citizens and that certain things are seen okay to do or that we have the class system that we have. I get frustrated when I hear people talking negatively about people, what we call welfare in Canada, but what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, besides the small actions I can engage in, you know, I also believe that human beings are selfish. I've been selfish too. You know, I'm not perfect. I've definitely been privileged and, and been selfish at times. Absolutely. Like, so you're right. This movie kind of leaves you on this note of like, well, let's leave the child raising up so it gives them some kind of hope because if they got to level zero and no one cared, we'd everyone be a downer. So it wouldn't, right. it wouldn't matter, right? right? But it's a valid point to make that it does leave you wondering, like, is this society that, you know, yeah, we're critiquing, we're critiquing, we're critiquing, but what's the alternative? Well, we don't really know what the alternative is. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess, yeah, right, I, I do think that's my fundamental problem is, like, yes, you make a good argument and it, it is well taken, it is it is accurate, but so what then? You know, and and I think that's one of the larger problems too uh, with like political discussion in this climate. I it is difficult. I think because of some of this, of like there is a portion of the population that is desperate and eager for continuing uh, social justice for. You know, things like in this country, universal health care, which you guys can't already have with your big fancy pills. Um, <laughs> stupid. Big pills. Big, big right, pills. Big horse pills that you're just Huge. like, oh, we just chew on them like they're salt licks. We're, we share it. Yeah. We pass it around, actually. Yeah. They're healthy as shit. I, I tried to get sick and I couldn't. Um, that's, that's Canada for you. But <laughs> healthy as moose up here, I'll tell you. I, I think that there is the, this real internal struggle with how do we how do we talk to people that are so divorced from the same reality we're in and and like you know to to torture this analogy like the people that are kind of trapped in the machine that that have no interest in in breaking up that machine you know uh, and how how do you go about explaining to them or to use the pipe where you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Even if you're okay, there are people below you who aren't. And and we need to bring them up, you know, or at least make sure that, like, you know, you want the vertical, not the horizontal. You want uh, the the mile wide and an inch deep in terms of, 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 of sort of, benefits and and the well, leg up that yeah. yeah or or just general shit like you know uh not having to deal with 
uh, the color of your skin being a barrier to the jobs that you're you're getting to the interviews you're able to go on to get a job that kind of shit that to the kinds of houses that you have access to that kind of stuff like i mean the fundamental the fundamental shit that's wrong with most countries and in particular america um where you have to start to really kind of pull the threads apart to knit it back together in a way that's a, a little bit stronger and that's the that's the stuff recently that I've been as is clear by me mumbling about this that I've really been struggling with in the wake of the election is like I'm not I'm not worried about Trump as an individual I'm worried about Trump as, as a political institution and and the fact that the Republican Party seems to have no interest in saying oh we lost with this guy so now we need to figure something else out and we need to reinvent ourselves and instead, they're just kind of doubling down on we're just going to keep feeding our base what they want to hear. And and because people like to be told that what they believe is right. And I understand that. Uh, that's human nature. It's <laughs> also why socialism doesn't work. But, <laughs> but but that kind of shit, like it, that's the stuff that it kind of keeps me up at night at this point of like, how do you move forward as a country that is going to believe that w the president that they are living under is completely illegitimate when that's just not true. You know, it's it, that again, that's the shit that keeps me up at night when I'm like, fuck, how is all this going to work out? This like the prop, the, like that's the, the insidious nature of Trump. Like he's gone, but the poison he has infected the country with remains. And like, how do you get that cancer out? And and I just don't know. And I guess that's why I'm mad at the platform. I'm like, why, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> where, where are the answers? Well, I think you're terrified of Trump becoming a martyr. And I think I'm terrified of that, too. Yeah. I am yeah. terrified of people treating him like he was the ruler that was removed and he was the underdog. Because we've seen what that builds in history. Mm -hmm. And especially when someone has... Mm, intentions that may not be beneficial for the general population or the entire population, just a, just a small select group. Um, I think that's a very valid point and a very valid concern and a good reason to keep yourself up at night. I do not fault you for that, by the way, Bo. I think that's a valid concern. Yeah. Well, you know, the heroin gets me the other way. So we even it out. <laughs> it's true. And that's expensive as well. You should come to Canada. That's legal. No, it's not. Great. I'm lying. Don't come to Canada guys and ask for heroin. Not legal. <laughs> Hey, uh, Heather told me I would like uh, a triple something. Also, heroin. Can I come to your country then? I'd like a triple triple and some <laughs> and some heroin. Yeah. <laughs> what is, so? What is the double? I don't even know. I've been making double double jokes for a while. I even it's know. Is coffee it double, from Tim Hortons. It's is two it milks and two sugars, or two creams and two sugars. So you could say double double with milk, or a regular double double. Would they would assume cream. I mean, it's not wrong. I, <laughs> I like I like it like my I like my coffee like I like my futures black. Um, <laughs> but you know, I grew up like when I was a kid. I, I that was the, how I got into coffee was a lot of cream, a lot of lot of sugar, a little bit of coffee. Well, and, it always uh, tastes better. It does, but as I got older and more hungover. I needed black coffee that was like, look, we're going to get in your veins and we're going to, 
we're going to jumpstart your heart. And it's probably going to scare you a little bit for, for about the first 20 minutes, but then you're going to be okay. <laughs> I love it. The conversation I have with my colleague. <laughs> I, I hope this was everything you dreamed in talking to us two knuckleheads. You know what? I, I feel like I've reached my life goal now. This is it. There's no <laughs> there's no other podcast scene to do. I'm actually ending Friday Nightmares and just hoping I can guest on you guys' show. <laughs> yeah. It, it look it, the thing you're you're gonna experience over the next couple of days is uh, uh what happens when your dreams are fulfilled and then there's nothing <laughs> left. And you've gotta you've gotta really look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, what what meaning do I have now? I'm going to be like at the end of the platform, but what is going on now? <laughs> By the way, here's a, a little fun uh, tip for, for listeners at home, as well as you guys. If you want to have a good time, read any interview that the, the director, uh, whose name is Galder, Galder Gastello Orutia. Um, God, I sound like Duncan pronouncing these names and he's, a mushmouth Scott, but read any interview where somebody asks him like, "Will you tell us about what the movie's about. And he just plays it so coy. Like he's just like, you know, Hey, it is at the end of this movie. Is this sort of about, uh, the effects of, of socialism on, on social, uh, on capitalist societies or whatever. And he's just like, maybe. <laughs> and just about food. <laughs> right and just says all this like crazy shit like well it's about humanity and you're like all right i get it you're you're very artsy but the movie is not that like it's not billy bud okay like it's not that complicated it's not again i love the platform i think it's a terrific movie but let's dial the you know mystique down to about a four I got you at about a 12. I need you to dial this way, way back. It really is a straightforward film, and I enjoyed it so much this year. Um, Scott and I aren't doing top 10, uh, but when we were going to, it was in my top 10, because I just really loved that they weren't afraid to take on this issue. And I agree with you, the ending does leave you wanting more, but I appreciate how they were able to leave it going, you know what, guys? We don't know. And I think that takes real guts to do some of the stuff they did in that movie. I I have a real soft spot, though, for Spanish films. I find that they uh, they don't hold back where North American films will. And I really applaud that. I really applaud that they face issues. I've seen some great ones on domestic abuse, on uh, family violence, on just uh, hierarchy. Another one called The Occupant, which is a great film about hierarchy in society. And I, I just really appreciate that, appreciate that about them. So I really appreciate you guys coming on. Let me talk about it. When I heard you talk about the hunt, I thought this will be a film that will generate some good conversation and just maybe hopefully give people who are listening something to think about, you know, something to consider when they watch the film. Cause there's so many lenses you can use to watch it, but it's a valuable piece of cinema to watch this year. And if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix and it's free. Why not? Speaking of Spanish thrillers, I was trying to find one, which in retrospect, maybe it was Brazilian. Um, at any rate, it was a great, I, I agree. I think Spanish thrillers are really fun. If you haven't seen sleep tight, you absolutely should. That's a great one. Guys who did wreck, uh, one of the guys oh, anyway. Nice. Um, it's a fantastic movie, but there was one that was about, uh, a, a lady who, uh, moves into this really nice house with her new husband 
who is in the orchestra or something and he's fucking around on her and she ends up getting trapped in a secret room in the house where she sees him kind of like him carrying on with this other lady and then he's going to leave for a while and the whole time she's like I'm running out of food I'm trapped behind this wall. It's, it's, it's sound insulated and it becomes this very Hitchcockian thing of I'm, I'm seeing all the secrets of my husband unfold in front of me. And I'm also in a struggle for survival and it's a fantastic film. And I wish I could remember the name of it, but I don't know. Google search. Hey, that, that movie Bo likes that Spanish people are in. That is exactly when I'm going to Google search. And that movie sounds like it's a hundred percent up my alley. It's uh, I am so down with that. Film. <laughs> I, once I find it, it's like, I'm going to, what I'm going to have to do is speaking of the mushmouth Scott, I'm going to have to go to Duncan and be like, Hey, remember that movie I liked because he has become my, you know, my man wife. Um, so I'm going to tell him that thing I think I saw one time and then he'll tell me what the title is. Your partner. Yeah. My hetero life mate yeah. on, on silent Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to check that out. It totally sounds like something up my alley. And I'm glad that both of you enjoyed this film. To be honest, when I listened to you, I kind of knew you would. Um, but still, I am happy. You better pick just as good of a movie next time. <laughs> no, I've set the bar, right? <laughs> You're straight down to level 333 you go. I know. I'm going to well, come back and be like, Snowpiercer is the movie I would like to do. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like, Hey, have you guys seen Snowpiercer? <laughs> it's really so good. good. Yeah, honestly, like it, it's interesting because uh, I've been watching a bunch of that Bong Joon-ho stuff, and that is a dude who is obsessed with class structure as well uh although instead of spain it's south korea but every movie that he's ever done is just like oh yeah no class sucks you know <laughs> and he just happened to win a best picture oscar for it for like the fifth time he did the same movie which is not a complaint like bong joon ho can make a hundred movies all about how classism sucks and i will watch every single one because they're all tremendously entertaining and they get mad at the end of me and every single one and be like but i want more what's the solution <laughs> But, like, Bong Joon-ho doesn't even fuck around with it. He's like, oh, no, this is all fucked, and you're fucked, and I'm fucked. We're all fucked. So, I don't know. Let's have a good time, I guess. Let's but, and, some popcorn. Yeah. But <laughs> also, maybe don't kill uh, your neighbor's dog. Uh, that's a theme of his first film. But, um, I, I don't know. Snowpiercer is pretty optimistic, Darren. I mean, without giving it away, but that that's all right. It's It's something. It's not entirely miserable. It's it maybe is more like the platform that I give it credit for because it's it's like eh maybe. <laughs> and Heather, once you have watched it, I covered that with our mutual friend Lance from the Horror Returns. Oh, I'll have to listen. Uh, it was right around the time that I did uh, District Nine with Court. Oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> You need to do uh, Okja with a, a vegetarian. I don't fit that bill. <laughs> but if you want to do, like, Okja is a movie, again, I just recently watched it, but that's a movie when I watch it, I'm like, I should stop eating meat. I am a monster. That's strong. Huh? I saw a documentary that was like that earlier. What was it called? Yeah, what was your meat documentary called? Oh, I would have to look it up, guys. I'll look it up and send it to you. Um, Bo... 
since we're not friends on Facebook yet, I'm going to add you as my friend so we can send stuff to each other. All right. And it's online, so you can't say no now because it's on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm trapped. Darren edited all this out. Darren. Hey, hey, Darren. What's Heather's feed so I can block her? <laughs> but it is upsetting. I will warn you right now. Um, you learn stuff about the meat industry that I, I was pretty naive. I didn't know. Maybe you guys are much more knowledgeable about that than I am. Um, I was not aware of how animals were treated. That was a very humbling experience. So, yeah, well, I will find it and send it your way. Ocha also available on Netflix. Ocha is about a, a young girl who is given, uh, what is called a super pig and the super pig grows up with her for 10 years. And then Tilda Swinton, also the villain of this movie, uh, shows up with a unhilarious Jake Gyllenhaal um, to take this super pa- uh, super pig back to America, where it will eventually be uh, carved up and eaten. And and it's very much about that of like, oh, what is what is the actual process of getting food on your table as as an industrial country? And it's you know, like it's a movie, so it's not it, like it's not a documentary where it's just grisly and horrifying. But because you fall in love with this adorable, intelligent, sentient super pig, that there's a point in the movie where you're like, "You're about to fucking kill Ocha, and I'm gonna destroy everything in this goddamn world if that happens. I will burn it all down. They will not hurt Ocha." Um, so it's it's fantastic though. Again, Bong Joon Ho, amazing. I feel like watching movies with you, Bo, would be a whole new experience. Like you know when you go to the movie theater and you can pay for like 4D, 3D, and I feel like there's the Bo experience of like commentary okay. that you hear throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, I want to pay for that Bo experience. <laughs> it it's fairly inexpensive, <laughs> and it's just a lot of watch this. <laughs> This is really good. It's... I'm going to ruin everything if the pig dies. <laughs> now that, yes. Every now and again, there there will be a, an ultimatum when I'm watching a movie. If I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life, if somebody tries to talk during the whole, like, hey, I got to run through town and, and, and say Merry Christmas to the Lean and Alone and Mr. Potter, everybody shut their goddamn mouth and let George <laughs> Bailey have his moment. The man almost died tonight. It's been a hard night, and he deserves to run through town. <laughs> yeah, got kicked out of Martini's bar like he was a peasant. <laughs> what the hell is going on in Bedford class Falls? Class structure. Right. Another movie very much about class structure. That is a movie that is uh, surprisingly like like pro-union and pro-local like local, uh, 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 like civic responsibility. And like it's a whole movie about a guy who's creating a housing project so that his friends can afford a home you know like that's oh it's good it's a wonderful life the greatest character study ever put on film maybe that'll be next next christmas that could be the next christmas episode Uh, oh i could oh i'll tell you all about how much i hate mr potter his (laughs) scurvy doings (laughs) and you can kind of get the twisted old man (laughs) You could kind of get the Bo D experience by joining the Legion Patreon if you're still doing those commentaries for people. And since yes. you are a host in the Legion Podcast Network, you perhaps could perform 
an enhanced bow D with bow for the Patreon people. I could. Like, you'll get tons of listeners when I go on. <laughs> First of all, yeah. I'm a female podcaster. I get friend requests every day on Facebook. Definitely <laughs> hook you up, Bo. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, honestly, my, my heart goes out to any single woman out there in the world. Because I've done, you know, you do the middle-age dating sometimes, uh, as you do. And uh, the number of women I've talked to who are like, thank you so much for not sending me a picture of your dick in the first, like, five minutes we knew each other. Well, you wait ten minutes, right? I, I it, it just... <laughs> and I, the number of times I've heard it the, that I'm just like, is this that big a problem? Are people just willy-nilly sending their willies around? And yes, the answer to that is 100% yes, I have learned. And, I mean, look, I understand. As you have said yourself, Heather, you are a fan of penis. But unsolicited <laughs> penis... Am. Yes. Yeah, Unsolicited penis, totally different thing though. But you know what? I don't get that. And it's weird That's because good. I do, I, but I think because I'm so assertive as a female, men are more um, intimidated by me sometimes. They're like, oh, it's cold. I get messages like, hey, you like horror movies? I like horror movies. Oh, sliding into the messages right? like, it's more like, oh, we like the same stuff. You know, and where Scott will get like these people listening to the podcast, all these ladies being like, hey, listen to your podcast. Or I just get, hey, you like <laughs> Jason movies? You like Friday the 13th, right? Like, it's, and it's and it's nice, but then it doesn't go any further. They just want to talk to me about movies. And like, I like movies, but I'm not like, I'm no expert. Like, I like, like them. I'm not super knowledgeable. Like, you know those people you meet that you can be like, okay, Friday the 13th, and they can tell you where it was filmed, mm. the name of all the stars, you know, who who got the coffee for everyone on the on the crew. Like, <laughs> I, I can't do that. I'm all like, it wasn't Jason in the first one. Yeah. It was Mrs. Voorhees. You would have <laughs> survived the first uh, 10 minutes of Scream. No! And you've got that going for you. No, I definitely... Well, maybe. I would have probably panicked in the moment. But, um... <laughs> But I do love Jiffy Pop. I do love Jiffy Pop. I love me some Jiffy Pop. So honestly, that hasn't happened to me, but I do appreciate that it does happen to other women. Um, I find I just get a lot of people, like a lot of, I think because I'm nice too, people feel more comfortable reaching out to me, which is a flattering thing. I've made some great friends as well by just people being super friendly. And I'm glad that you can do that because sometimes, you know, for some people online is their only sense of community. And that's the only place they can make friends. And we all need friends right now. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's to be kind to each other and empathetic. And, and speaking of Patreon, Darren, uh, as you know, this whole Legion podcast thing has been in service of me eventually having a cult. Oh, when do we drink the Kool-Aid? Look, it's a long time till the Kool-Aid. Like, things really have to start coming off the rails. We don't even have robes yet. <laughs> Bring your own robe. It's all yeah, it's, matching robes. No one has the same matching. Look, way. it's real juicy right now. It's BYOR. <laughs> you, you can wear whatever shoes you want. We haven't settled on tennis shoes or nothing. <laughs> but, you know, give it time. Like, we're it's early stages. And that's why, Darren, I think you're right. Like, you get in, you go to patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcast. You can get in early. On the cult, we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything crazy for at least the first eighteen months. 
So you've got a nice window of opportunity to live a mostly normal life before you come to the commune in Canada. <laughs> At my house. Yeah. Yeah. And Heather's place will pass around the horse bill. Everybody gets a bite. That's right. <laughs> they will order some poutines and some double doubles, and it will just be a solid, a solid commune that we'll live in. And, and will you describe poutine for the people in America who are like, what the, what the hell is a poutine? It's fries with gravy and cheese curves. Can you believe it exists, people? But there's more than that. There are poutine shacks that make all kinds of poutines. There's nacho poutines. There's buffalo chicken poutines. There's brisket or whatever it is poutines. We have poutines for poutines. It's a thing. Oh, my God. I I want to double-double poutines. <laughs> Where do I get me the double-double poutine? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey uh, double-double poutines and leaves. Can I come in now? <laughs> I'll be like, yes. Clearly, you know our ways. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about Second City Television, eh? Oh, my. If you threw that out, people would be like, you're not a real Canadian. No Canadians, no Second City. What? <laughs> the Americans. <laughs> what? Um, I oh, know that Second breaks City. my heart. I have watched old school Second City, and we still have Second City to this day. But the average Canadian, if you ask them about Second City under the age of 40, will have no idea what you're talking about. I just I don't even know what country this is anymore. Neither do I. I thought I thought I knew Canada. Is red green Canadian? Red Green is Canadian. He's actually from where I live. Oh. I live just near where uh, the Red Green show was filmed. That always seemed to be on whenever we ended up back at a friend's house after skateboarding all night. Whenever we'd sort of spill into the house pretending like we weren't stoned. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then you watch Red Green and you're like, God, thank God I'm stoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, red green is definitely an acquired taste. It is definitely a Canadian, a Canadiana show for a specific generation. Definitely. <laughs> Bo would like red green. I, I have never like, seen it. I feel like oh. I need to send you some YouTube videos of red green. I, I think you'd probably enjoy and it. And I feel well. like Bo would either, I feel like he'd be like, I am the new Tennessee red green. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what this is, but if it's like a Bruce Dern, I'm in. <laughs> oh, I think you'll be in. We can make it part of the cult. Uh, look, a, a lot of... Bring your own robe cult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, a lot of good ideas are being thrown around for the cult here. And I don't want to dismiss any of them out of hand. I feel like there's there's plenty of room for the, the cult to grow. Plenty of new ideas until we incorporate them and then all are one. And if we join the Patreon, if you're lonely and you're looking for on uh, for friends, instead of sending friend requests, join Patreon. Then yeah. you make friends. And you can you can listen to commentaries uh, with different movies. Uh, Duncan and I did one for Midnight Run a while back. There's a bunch. <laughs> uh, there's an early one of the show Slasher, which had I love to be the show abandoned. Slasher TV show. Yeah. Uh, that had to be abandoned because Duncan saw it and thought it was so hilarious that he, he was like, we've got to do this together. Duncan is dead to me. Um, look, is amazing. <laughs> the, the inability of the main character in the first season of Slasher to hang on to any accident, accent other than her natural Irish one is one of my favorite things about that show. <laughs> she is so close every second to just be like, hi, toy. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> every series, every season of Slasher was filmed in Canada. That's and the third one was filmed in my hometown, in my city. The, the That's new why season. I, is, I love it. <laughs> I, I, look, I'm not impugning either. The, the, the show Slasher is wildly entertaining. I uh, wouldn't go so far as to call it great. I would say it's wildly entertaining. Um, and it's intensely watchable. Uh, but the new season has David Cronenberg coming on as a recurring character, and you win. Like, I've got to watch every season now because David Cronenberg has only appeared in so many movies, and every time he does, I, I fall in love all over again. Have you guys seen Possessor yet? Oh, God, yeah. Nope. Darren, you got to watch Possessor. I, I hope you would yeah. like it. Uh, it's a very well-made film. If you like Cronenberg, you'll like Possessor. His son is very good. I heard your glowing recommendation of it, and it is in my list to check out. Well, I hope you like it if um, if you do get a chance to watch it. I I definitely think it's one of the better made films this year. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are on it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. Perhaps. I mean, we can all, I can make anything political, but we can always end up doing that on the show, but we could do other things. But I think we have hit the point of this show where I need to give mercy and let everybody go. Um, (laughs) You, since this is your first time on the show, Heather, you get to plug your wares first. Now, you did bring up that you're not doing a top 10 list of the year this show. But you are doing something that I think is pretty fucking rad. So you don't have to plug that. Plug away whatever you like, anything you like. If you want to talk about a charity that you're into also, that's always fair game. But here's the time that we talk about the cool stuff that you are doing. I can definitely do that. So Scott will be on in a couple of episodes. You'll probably hear it again. But uh, myself and Scott Crawford run the Friday Nightmares podcast, which is under the Kill the Cast banner on the lovely Legion Network. Uh, Scott and I have been doing this show for just about a year now. And instead of doing a top 10 this year, we decided to do awards. But our awards are a little different. We are doing your traditional uh you know, best movie from Prime, best movie from Shudder, best movie from Netflix, uh, et cetera. But we're also doing fun little awards like Punch in the Gut, which was maybe something that you didn't see coming that punched you in the gut. All about the feels. So something that maybe got your feelings going. Uh, bloodbath of the year. As well as we've chosen to do uh, best protagonist and antagonist. And we haven't genderized them. So we can choose male or female. And we can choose two for each category. Uh, Scott and I, probably by the time we get to our show, will have watched at least 230 2020 films. So we'll have a lot to choose from. <laughs> and we'll be talking. Oh, and we're going to do an uncorked award. So for any of my horror fans out there that have watched a variety of uncorked movies, uh, some of them are excellent and some of them are um, the opposite of excellent. So we're going to be talking about those as well. And just something fun we thought we'd do instead of just listing top tens. There's so many great top ten shows out there. And a lot of them have seen similar movies and Scott and I just didn't want to repeat what everyone else was going to say. We wanted to bring something fresh. Um, our show is based on, we pick a theme. So we do talk about 2020s and older films we've been watching and podcasts that we've been listening to. And we also pick a theme and we sometimes include academic articles about that. And we talk about four or five movies that match that theme. And we just have a good time with it. Um, 
you know, definitely I never thought I would ever be into podcasting. I only have been doing it seriously for a year and here I am. And I do another fun little commentary show called It's Not Horror Okay on the uh, Dark Discussions Network. And I jump around and I've been really happy to be guesting here tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll get to get work together sometime soon again and maybe do Snowpiercer or I don't know, any other random movie that we feel like talking about. Follow that, Bo. Can't. (laughs) No, uh... (laughs) Uh, th- no, that's, that sounds impressive. Um, so, uh, legionpodcast.com is where you can find all the stuff I do. I'm kind of, I don't know, editor-in-chief is how I've been labeling it lately. The boss. And kind of, yeah, but, you know, uh, I, I don't believe in classes, Heather. Have you not listened <laughs> to anything in this conversation? Jesus well, Christ. <laughs> I just feel like you keep giving me the food that you've already eaten, and I feel like I'm on level <laughs> 15. I, was, I am. I am pooping on the podcast below me, <laughs> as is my want. Um, no, uh, over there, you can find uh, not only uh, Kill the Cast Presents uh, Friday Nightmares, you can find uh, Pick Six Movies uh, is a show I do with my my pal Chad, uh, who is an uh, 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 old friend. I've known him since literally kindergarten, which at this point is 83 years ago. <laughs> And because <laughs> I'm I'm Biden old, um, and listen here, Jack. Listen, Jack. I've I haven't had a regular bowel movement in 15 years. All right, Jack. <laughs> Not going to put up with your malarkey. I, lo- I love Grandpa. I really do. Uh, so, but Pick Six Movies is uh, kind of like what Heather was saying. Uh, I feel like we're I'm already stealing ideas. Uh, it is we 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 pick a theme. This season, it is uh, once in a lifetime, is what we call it. And we have chosen uh, six lifetime original movies, uh, which is way outside our wheelhouse. But uh, given what we've seen so far, which is A Very Nutty Christmas, which is about uh, a satanic nutcracker, what comes to life and seduces poor Melissa Joan Hart. And and, uh, another one called A Very... No... Grumpy Cat's worst Christmas ever. And it's maybe the worst movie we ever looked at. So, you know, that's pretty fun. And uh, then there's uh, Duncan a Bow Come Correct, uh, which is <laughs> the shirt I'm wearing now. That is a show where me and Duncan McLeish of uh, the podcast Under the Stairs uh, recently talked all about Lovecraft Country, which was a fantastic show. And we're about to do a commentary for the movie uh, Money Plane, which we hear is terrible. Is that a sequel to Money Train? No, (laughs) if only money plane is apparently a movie about a plane, the, the titular money plane, uh, what flies around Darren and it's got people gambling on everything. And apparently it's run by Kelsey Grammer, um, who is not on the money plane. I don't think, but it's, uh, some professional wrestler who I don't know. And some other dudes try to hijack the money plane. And it sounds like a disaster. And and then Hero Hero Go Show, which is all about Asian horror cinema. Uh, there's a recent uh, review of the follow-up to Train to Busan uh, called Peninsula. Or specifically, Train to Busan presents Peninsula. Uh, because that movie was big enough to present the entire peninsula of Korea. Um, and uh, But still wasn't very good. Um, 
and and then uh yeah there's a, a lot of other shows on legion podcasts uh, as well as like manic and i mean if you're interested in something there's probably a podcast for you uh and 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 uh for no extra charge to you listeners um you can also check out youtube.com forward slash legion podcast uh twitch.tv forward slash legion podcast facebook.com forward slash legion podcast and keep up with uh, all kinds of fun stuff on all on all of those channels uh and i think i'm done i think that's everything should i be doing more i feel hollow <laughs> i how do i fill the hole inside of me how do i how do i fill the platform inside of me i feel like you need to send a message i do <laughs> i need to find the child in in my gut and send it up the the platform to my heart. Oh, is the podcast the message? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is the message. It podcast. needs no bear. Yeah. That has to be uh, how this perfect. ends. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast is the message. Thank you both. I have you on record both saying that you want to come back. Edit that part out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Don't forget to duck and cover. The podcast is the message. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. Duck and cover. Make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema Psyops, Cinema B, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a wide spread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. 
horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.